Welcome to the podcast formerly known as Bad Puns and Machine Guns. This was the podcast where we watched and discussed every Arnold Schwarzenegger movie one at a time, and now we're watching the Expendables movie, so there. I'm Kevin Keane. And I'm Mike Olson, and today we're discussing The Expendables 3, released by Lionsgate Films on August 17th, 2014. Starring Sylvester Stallone, Jason Statham, Antonio Banderas, Jet Li, Wesley Snipes, Dolph Lundgren, Kelsey Grammer, Randy Kuchar, and Terry Crews with Mel Gibson, Harrison Ford, and Arnold Schwarzenegger. Written by Sylvester Stallone, Creighton Rothenberger, and Katrin Benedict. Based on a story by Sylvester Stallone, directed by Patrick Hughes. Star-studded cast, that's for Ooh, sure. And that is a long <laughs> list. I didn't even count the the, uh, the young Expendables. They aren't even in that cast. Like, yeah. You inc- include them. Can, can I'm going to open up and ask you on this. Was I supposed to know any of those new Expendables, other than Ronda Rousey? Victor Ortiz was a boxer. He, he's I've heard of him. Okay. I don't follow boxing, but I've heard, I'd heard of him. But otherwise, no. I mean, it's really far in my notes, obviously, when they get introduced, but... I, it seems like that this is passing the torch, but I'm like, shouldn't I know some of these people? Yeah, I completely agree. It should have been, a, 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 I mean, this is pretty star-studded. Maybe they just didn't have the budget to get like actual famous young people, but, you know, it should be up-and-coming stars. It should be people we know, we've heard of. I agree. Right. And So what's funny is that, well, we'll get there, but I, I just said, oh, you couldn't afford Chris Pine, so you went and got this guy. I mean, <laughs> right. whoever the lead, I don't know, I didn't look up the, the actor's name, but who plays, you know, the, the replacement leader? Like, yeah, this guy seems like he's supposed to be Chris Pine, but they couldn't afford Chris Pine. And I was thinking Chris Pratt, although I don't know if this is before or after Guardians. Good question. 2014. I think it was after, right? It might have been right around the same time as the first Guardians, and but up until then, he had kind of been a TV star and right. hadn't had the big success between Jurassic World and, and Guardians. No, but I think this would have been right after Guardians, so yeah. he would have been perfect. He could have, you could have cast him as that like dirt bike guy, yeah, that's the extreme I'm, sports guy. He would have been perfect. That's what I'm. That's the Chris Pine wannabe. Oh, really? Yeah, for me. But you're right. Oh, I Chris, thought you were going to put Chris Pine as the tech guy. Uh, I guess he could do either one. But he, yeah. yeah, I see him more as as the the extreme sports guy. But you're right, Chris Pratt actually might have been fun. Actually, taken could have taken this in a different direction. Yeah, these new they're not fun they're at not all. Fun. No. So this is your first time seeing it. So I mean, obviously you didn't care for the new team, but just what were your uh, impressions overall? Your your advice, don't bother. Easily applies to this one. <laughs> okay. This is by far and away the worst one. Yeah, no question about it. Yeah. It's it's really badly directed. I mean, it's this whole movie is Stallone's attempt to get like new blood into the franchise, which completely defeats the purpose of the entire thing. And his this director had done basically nothing. He was some young Australian director who did a thing that Stallone liked. He's like, you should do Expendables three. It's like, <laughs> well, obviously he wasn't up to the task. And then yeah, this this new crew, just man, like we said, I mean, it, it's just. If they had gotten a good cast, maybe this works. But even still, the Isn't whole point of right, this, the, the whole point is getting all of the former stars together. Yeah, it's essentially a betrayal of the entire concept of the Expendables. Yeah. it's like the whole point of the series is let's get a bunch of old action stars and put them together. And the idea of passing the torch is like, well, what's the point? I, well, there isn't one. Right. It doesn't make any sense. Yeah. And this is the, one of the things like I was thinking about, because uh, I was telling you, we're recording this ju- the weekend that uh, the new Star Wars movie came out, The yes. Last Jedi, and I've seen it and you have not. Correct. So I won't spoil anything, but seeing that a day or two after I watched Expendables 3, without spoiling anything, it's funny how it feels like both want to be a deconstruction of the series that they're in, and one I think is very successful, being Star Wars, and one is not. And I think Expendables 3 might have worked if the whole point of it was... Look, these action heroes are fun, but like, if if the young t- 
team had been like real soldiers and behaved like real soldiers, and it was much more like grounded in real military yeah. hardware and tactics, et cetera. And if if the movie was saying as fun as action stars are, like these are real heroes, and this is what a real hero looks yeah. like, and it was, like if it was a real deconstruction of the whole notion of action heroes. I would have been way into that, but it's not. That's not what it is. It's just like you guys are now the guys. It's just well, yeah. There's nothing. There's no twist to it. It's just like yeah, they're younger. Great. <laughs> that's the only twist. These guys are you know they they have a different age as the other characters. It's oh, like yeah, that's well, not enough. There's two, I think, defining things. They're younger, and as we let off with, nobody knows them. Or, yeah. or I shouldn't say nobody, but Ronda Rousey. This was like the peak of her fame. Yeah, she, but, she's definitely fallen off since then. I think. Yeah, she's maybe the distraction from this is you know. Part of what the begin- beginning of her descent was, I don't know. Well, her, the descent was she tried to become an actress. She's a terrible actress. Oh, by far and away the worst performer in this movie. Might be the worst performer we've seen since doing this podcast. Ooh, really? Who's worse? Uh, She's so bad. Pretzi. <laughs> okay, fair <laughs> enough. No, but that guy's like a comedian. He's like, you know, that's just his shit. Mike. No, fair enough. We, well, there, how about Ronda Rousey trying to do pretzy? <laughs> right. Hark. Well, the thing about Ronda Rousey that really, once I noticed it, I was kind of laughing at it. Is the entire movie, and I think it's, I think she thinks that she looks tough, but the entire movie, she's making a face like she smells a fart. Oh, I didn't notice that. <laughs> the whole movie, she's just like, like it's like a kind of a sneer, but it's not really like it doesn't have any emotion behind it. She's just she's contorting her face in the shape of a sneer, but because she can't act. There's nothing behind the eyes. And so I she guess. just looks like, man, eh, she's just squishing her face up. <laughs> it's ridiculous. The whole movie, she's making that face. Uh, if I was going to watch it again, I would go and pull <laughs> it up. We can find any scene, <laughs> literally any scene with her in. Pick I will show you her squished up face. Clearly, we've, we've established she's the worst part. What's the best part to you in this? Or, or the best performance part? Whatever. Uh, I mean, the part that really jumps out to me, not an action sequence, not uh, any kind of like character stuff. It's the montage of the older Expendables doing nothing. I rem- I actually remember that particularly. I really wanted Statham to just pick up the phone and order those knives. That's all I <laughs> yeah. wanted out of that scene. He could still destroy the TV, but I wanted him on that phone ordering well, those probably, knives. He probably wrecked his knife throwing it at his TV, so I need a new knife. <laughs> I so badly wanted him ordering those. But I love that montage. It's, it's a really nice... I like the song that they chose. And it's just a... It's, it's a montage of our classic Expendables team, bored and not knowing what to do with themselves because they were... That's know, all they do, right? Yeah, because Barney isn't going to take them on the mission. And my note is, these guys doing nothing is more interesting <laughs> than the, the young team doing something. All right. So. I just wanted to follow them. I go to the grocery <laughs> store. I don't care. <laughs> I let's see. Let's see. Statham in the produce section. Yeah, these are the characters I care about. All right, that's fair. That's I, my favorite part of the movie. Is that, that montage. All right, so I'm not sure why he gets to be in this movie, but to me, probably my favorite sequence. I really enjoyed Kelsey Grammer. I don't know why. Really, he's in. I do. I really enjoyed him. I guess. Yeah. I mean, he's he's good. He's doing a good job. I don't understand why he's in it. Well, his and character. What, what I what I have in here is what happened to Tool. Where. I think they have different jobs, different roles in this world. Well, okay, I, I we're jumping ahead, and I have notes about this, but I'll just do it off the top of my head because I, right. I definitely remember. Because okay, here's the thing: I think Tool's job is to hook, uh, connect the Expendables to people who have jo- who have jobs, okay. who have the money, who are going to pay them to do the jobs. All right, Kelsey Grammer is a talent scout. 
Okay. His so job he's a scout. Is, That's all he does. Yeah. He's, he's just to find talent and he flies around the world and he's fly, finding mercenary talent so that okay. I think that's and, the distinction between him and Tool. And somehow he's able to get on Air Force bases because I, I have that. That's what I really want to know. Oh, is, yeah. How do those guys get allowed on an Air Force base? But we can get there. Well, you know what? No. I, no, actually, I, I do buy that because I think there is a relationship between the military and you know, some no. Blackwater-esque. Oh, of course. There's a relationship between the military and, and mercenary <laughs> groups. You think that the expendables, though? I mean, one thing, Blackwater oh, is a government an... contractor. He's not a government contractor. No, but uh, Kelsey Grammer is not an expendable. He's an independent contractor. Barney's going to him and saying, I need your services. Find me a new team. I need new talent. Maybe. I, he's think, like, he's, I think you're no, stretching Kelsey Grammer is like the guy who writes baseball prospectus. He doesn't work for a particular team. He <laughs> goes out great. to the teams, and he, he, he scouts the players, and he writes a book, and he says, here are all the best mercenaries. And then you know, the mercenary groups come to him and say, okay, we want this, this, and this guy. That's what he's doing. He's just like, all right, here's all the best guys. Well, all the okay, in, kids. in a different way, it would be NBA Draft Express, right? Because they go right, out yeah, and they evaluate, or a third-party evaluate talent evaluation. Right, pick your sport. Yeah, it's the same thing. All right. I think that's that's the distinction. I saw in the trivia that they wanted uh, Tool back. They wanted to have uh, Mickey Rourke come back as Tool, but he, for whatever reason, it didn't work out. Okay. Who knows why? Well, Maybe I, Mickey Rourke was having a bender somewhere. I, <laughs> it's hard to say, but... I'll say I, I enjoyed Kelsey Grammer. A couple of things in particular, but we can get there. So that that was probably the highlight. One of the highlights for me was was Kelsey Grammer. I don't I don't mind him in this movie, but I do think that sequence is unnecessary. It's like okay, I'll, just, I'll give just you that. hey, who cares how he assembled this team? Just like it could be one call. Do you hey, even I need, need a team. Yeah, you don't even need to meet the guy on the other side of the phone. Pick up a call. I need a new team. Cut to they've assembled. Here they are. It's like, I don't think you need that sequence. I, you, if you're cutting stuff, you're probably right. That can come out. But there's so much other. There's a lot of other stuff that I would probably cut before that only because it's not good. Yeah. Not because it's unnecessary. Yeah, but I mean, I think there's a difference between execution. I mean, this whole movie, I think, is executed fairly badly, whereas I think, I mean, it's it, just because you don't need it doesn't mean it's not good. I mean, I actually think it, I, I agree that Kelsey's grammar is good. It really just goes on too long. That's it could be like true, 30 too. seconds per guy. Probably Here's this guy. Do, do, do. Here's this guy. Do, do, do. Here's Randy Rousey. Do, do. It's just like every introduction is like a three minute sequence. Yeah. Go to the bar. Oh, here's Ronda Rousey. Oh, she's the hostess. Oh, no, no, she's a bouncer. And there's a little fight sequence. And <laughs> you should see her without heels. It's each, each introduction to the character is t- too long. That's his commentary, by the way. There is no in the actual sequence. I'm pretty sure he says Bertadur. Fair enough. All right. Let, let's, I'm let, sorry. This is me trying to capture my I impression understand. of the tone of that scene. Let, let's dive in here. Wesley Snipes. Was oh, there- before we dive in, I did watch the Expendables director's cut. You did. And What's the difference? It is, I think, significantly better. I liked really? it a lot. Then this easily is the worst one, without a doubt. No question about it. I mean, I think it's significantly worse than the, the theatrical cut of Expendables 1. I actually do, too. Because there was, there was stuff that's memorable that I really enjoyed in 1. There's not much here. Yeah. I mean, I, a couple of things I just wanted to mention because it did answer a couple of our questions, the oh, director's cut. Okay. The 20-minute time limit. We were wondering about that. Why 20 minutes? So I was right. Something was cut, because so, that's what made sense to me. There's a scene that was cut. So essentially, the plan was, Barney tells them, if I'm not out in 20 minutes, blow the thing. And he doesn't come out, because he gets caught by uh, Steve Austin, if you yeah. recall, and he's, he's choking him. And there's a scene that was originally cut, that they're outside going, like, should we blow it? And they decide to go back in and rescue gotcha. him, and that leads into the tunnels and all that. Yeah. So that's, that's that makes sense. 20 minutes. Okay. They, they had agreed, in 20 minutes, we're blowing this explosive no matter, no matter what. Um, which they didn't end up doing. <laughs> Lee's baseball cap. <laughs> if you remember, thank you. There's a whole thing about yes. like take care of this cap, whatever he says. Yeah. So there's a cut scene where you know there's way more discussion between Lee and Barney in the director's cut 
about uh, Charisma Carpenter's character, and that's all they talk about on that island, like that whole sequence. And so there's a scene where Lee gets angry at Barney because it's like, you don't like her. And he th- or that, I don't know why I'm impersonating him <laughs> Stallone. That's, yeah, it's, you don't like her. There you go. And he, and he throws his hat at Barney, and that's why he doesn't have a hat in the next sequence. So I think when they cut that scene, they had to explain where his hat went, which turned into take care of this hat or whatever it was. <laughs> they had to just cover it. That's great. So that's a cover for a cut scene. I'm pretty sure that's why that is. All right. Gunner whispering to Barney. That's He tells him the layout of the catacombs that they run through. That's more clear in the director's cut. Okay. I think we sus- suspected that, but uh, that's why. And then finally, the Jet Li Dolph Lundgren fight is totally recut and it is great. Oh, it's what? it's much 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 better. Okay, so, so. it's mo- it's fair to gently. Uh, it's fair to gently. It's more clear what's happening. It's there's fewer cuts. It's not like over edited like the theatrical cut is. Gotcha. Um, yeah, I think it's much better. Okay. Oh, and finally, one funny line that I had to bring up. Then we'll get into Expendables three. But uh, <laughs> there's a cut scene where they ask Sandra about her, her family, and she tells them, "Oh, my both of my parents are dead." But it really, it's her father yeah. is the thing. Whatever. And then she asks Barney, "Do you have a family?" And then Lee is a line that I loved so much. Lee says, yeah, he's got a truck and a seaplane. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm not even really doing his delivery justice. Like, Jason Satham nailed it. And I, I thought, I was like, why did they cut that? That's hilarious. <laughs> it just makes Statham even more endearing in these movies. Yeah, he, he gets the short shrift in Expendables 3, I think. Oh, big time. He's barely, he has nothing to do in this movie. That will bear out in the body counts. So we'll get to it at the end. But uh, yeah, it's very disappointing because I, I agree. I think we both are becoming big Statham fans. And it's like, yeah, he's I mean, I understand that the cast expanded and there's limited screen time. But I mean, you lost Terry Crews. I right. mean, you lose like so much of what I think in the first two movies, you at least for me, I enjoyed. You have almost none of it in this movie. Right. Agreed. And you don't even have Terry Crews in this opening sequence because he's oh. off doing whatever. I mean, the real reason is he was doing a TV show. That's the actual reason. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, he's in Brooklyn Nine-Nine. I don't know if that shows. He's still on the air. Yeah, right? it's but, still on the air. It's okay. Like three, four seasons in, so it's pretty successful. Okay, I didn't know that. I didn't know he was in that show. but right. I didn't either, but I know it's been on a few years. Yeah, he's, so that's why he's only available for like a couple of days. So that's oh, why he's, he's barely, barely in movie. this movie. I got you. All right, so like, this, this opening train sequence. Mm-hmm. I mean, was there... Was there any doubt? I mean, was this entire thing just to set up one line? <laughs> About tax evasion? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I guess. I mean, I think it's a cool idea. Their approach for the Wesley Snipes character is a good one in terms of he's an ex-expendable who's been missing for all this time. You know, he's not a new... It'd be weird if he was just like, I'm a new recruit or right. whatever. It's like I agree with you there. I think <laughs> the approach is good, and I think, yeah, springing him from prison... You know, the fact that it's Wesley Snipes who was actually in prison, it's like, yeah, you have to address it. So I, I think that it's the right approach, but I don't, I don't know. I don't think that it was delivered very well. Oh, I thought you would love that, considering I wanted you're to. a big Wesley Snipes fan. I I, and I wanted to, and what I was, I, I, I even have in here that if you're going to do that, how can you not have some way, there has to be a money train reference. If you're just going to go <laughs> over the top, there needed to be a money train reference. Well, Woody's not here, so I don't know. If, if Woody Harrelson had been in the movie, then absolutely. But. So I, I, I got a couple of things on this train. Can, can I ask you this? Sure. All right. So I'm assuming that that opening sequence, the opening with the guy standing in front of a portrait of himself, in front of a po- okay, hold on, let me get, is he, <laughs> okay. is, that's the warden, right? You know, we assume that he's not just the dictator; he's like the warden, right? I don't know. I mean, I guess a warden has a painting of himself. Well, see, that's my question. I said I have this. Is this common to have this with pictures? Is it like the DMV where Jesse White here in Illinois, his picture is all over every DMV office? Yes. It's like every prison. Has it got that that guy standing there sternly, or is it a different guy of the different the you know, warden of each warden. prison? Yeah. So and then, well, no, well, no, because it got me to the next. Because there's a picture of him on the train. 
Oh, is there? Yes, there's a picture. <laughs> I missed that one. I was very confused. I'm like, so that's where I'm like, is this guy, is it like the entire Bureau of Prisons? Is this his realm? And this is the prison transport, so that's why it has his picture. I mean, the reason why he, he's standing in front of a picture of himself is because it's just shorthand for bad guy. And that's re- they don't have any time to explain who this is. You just got right. You're right. That's perfect. It's shorthand for bad guy. Yeah, they don't have any time. He doesn't have a single line of dialogue. He never has any interaction with the characters. He he knows this train is barreling at him from a, like five miles away. Doesn't move away from the end of the tracks. But what, you want to know why? I have, a, I have a hypothesis as to why he doesn't bother to move. Why? Because apparently this prison is loaded with explosives because the entire <laughs> prison explodes. It doesn't matter where he stands. No. I think he's just like, oh, it's a foregone conclusion. If there's anything that hits this prison, I'm a goner anyway. <laughs> I mean, maybe. So I had the question for you. What is in this prison that is so explosive? I mean, it must be uh, on the train. That's what I, I assumed it was on the train. It was like some kind of like... Train fuel or something, but yeah, it's it's preposterous. Of course, it's, it's preposterous. Preposterous. You know, it's just the train hit the prison with such force, you know, <laughs> that it combusted. Well, and also, like, why would you build a prison with a train that goes right into the center of it? It's like you should go around back and you offload the. You don't need the train to go right into the center of a prison. It's like it seems like the obvious way for prisoners to escape. Do you think the trainers all- going in and out all the time? You just sneak in the train. Do you think it's because they had already installed the painting and they they you had to see the first thing you saw was the warden maybe yeah the warden insisted the painting went up first and like build the tracks right up to the painting <laughs> yeah you may be onto something we're not moving the painting we're gonna build the tracks to the painting well i gotta tell you when i saw this guy standing in front of this painting all i could think because we referenced airplane in the last episode <laughs> it right for us. it's the exact same as lloyd bridges again everybody in expendables everybody in every expendables movie is it looks like lloyd bridges <laughs> Because right. this guy stands in front of a painting of himself just like Lord Bridges does in oh, Airplane. I didn't even think of that. That is amazing. <laughs> Twice, two times in a row. Somebody's <laughs> somebody's like Lloyd Bridges in Airplane. That'll be uh, this episode's uh, podcast art, I'm sure. I am enjoying, now that, we're, now that we no longer are using the old Bad Puns Machine Guns art, I'm enjoying just adding like random things to the podcast episode so yeah i you've you got, had some good choices i actually uh in, really enjoyed the uh the thumbs up from the terminator was a perfect one and you got your expendable uh, skull toupee and, and i did i off off the air i did thank you for that that you that, so you knew what i was talking about then when you once when i you found saw it, it yeah I was, doesn't that <laughs> a little bit remind you of like when it was i mean in a dark like background you can't see the legs that well and in a dark background yeah. it looked like a Toupee leaping off of the skull. Well, that logo is back in this movie. It was gone in Expendables 2, and now it's back. I, I missed it in here. After they rescue Wesley Snipes, and it goes to the credits, it goes to the title. Okay. All right, so did you, I'm sorry. I completely hijacked that, but did, did you have anything else on, the, on that prison break sequence? I mean, I'll, my notes are basically just like, I'm happy to see Wesley Snipes. You know, I think, I think in general I have underestimated Wesley Snipes. Because he's, he's good. He's good in this, and he's just, in general... Oh, I'm, I mean, we, we debated a little bit. Uh, I, I kind of had a little push to do Wesley Snipes as our next action hero. Yeah. I am a big Wesley Snipes fan. He was on our list of possibles, and that was definitely your contribution. It's just like, you know, and, and I'm not that familiar with Wesley Snipes. Is, like, I don't think I've ever seen Passion of 57. I've seen parts of it. It's one of those that's on TV a lot. So it's, a, like, it's a fun one. Um, yeah, I should see it. Never seen Murder at 1600. Yeah, that's not as fun. <laughs> I only know that one because of the trailer. Uh, the trailer told me yes. The trailer is so ahead. funny to me, where he goes, "There's been a murder at 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue. The address that changes all the rules." <laughs> 
so dumb. I need to see it because I love the trailer so much. It's just like I almost I'm afraid to watch it because I know it's going to be bad, and I I enjoy that trailer so much. It is not good. Um, oh, thank you for yes, pulling I've, up the art. There it is. We found the opening title. It's so. like embossed there in uh in like copper or something. Yeah, like, like a stamp comes in and stamps this onto the the like uh, whatever it is. So yeah, it looks like it's supposed to be steel, but whatever. It's actually kind of Last Action Hero esque. Yeah, this uh, is opening title, Expendables Three. Um, but last thing about Wesley Snipes. He is a great follow on Twitter. I highly recommend following him on Twitter. All right. I'm, I don't. I'm going to now. Because I think he kind of thinks of himself as a modern-day Confucius a little bit. Oh. And sometimes it's corny and funny. And sometimes I'm going like, that's actually kind of deep, Wesley Snipes. <laughs> Can I read you some? Is there, are any of them about taxes? No, none of them about taxes. Okay. I saw someone g- giving him a hard time about his taxes, and he's like, he, he said something like, "Get a new joke, buddy," or something like that. <laughs> okay. He's very uh, friendly and like you know, he's he's, he's approachable and yeah, and approachable, and he, he interacts a lot with people, so okay. it's really cool. But here's some of his uh, his sayings that he posts on Twitter: "Stop going in circles. We repeat what we don't repair." <laughs> it's all stuff like this. Be mindful of what your mind is full of. Do you think he's got like a page a day calendar that he's just taking these from? I don't know. Maybe. I, I, I hope he's thinking of these himself. Um, you're obviously not interested, so I'll skip to my favorite couple. Do not mock a pain you have not endured. Sending nothing but positive light to Brother Tyrese. <laughs> I think that was when Tyrese was having some troubles. Um, and then uh, I'll just skip the one that I think is weirdly sinister. Some of you believe that your negativity is only going outwards unto others, meanwhile forgetting that energy returns in the same form that it was released. You are planting the seeds of your self-destruction. Gee. <laughs> yeah, it's like, wow. That's weirdly sinister. It is. But All he's right. full of stuff like that. He's just like an online fortune cookie, and I love it. All right. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to follow Wesley Snipes. Yes. I, he's great. And now knowing that he's pretty active and interacts with people on Twitter, I'm he, now I'm even more disappointed we're not moving on to Wesley Snipes because I think we might be able to lure him into our podcast if we were doing Wesley Snipes. <laughs> if there's ever any action hero that would be willing, I'll tell you what, if you tweeted him when we post this, you'd be like, it's featuring Wesley Snipes, at I, Wesley Snipes. He might I am going to remember to do that. Yeah, please do. All right, so, uh, so we get to, to the, can we talk about the, the getting to the plane, by the way? On the on this chopper, the tarmac. Yeah, the tarmac. Yeah, yeah. Okay, two things. <laughs> I think I know what you're going to say. What are you going? All right. Well, I got two. I got. Why was there this long shot that just holds for a long time, way wide on the chopper landing, and it's there for way too long? And how is that runway in any way, shape, or form in a condition that you could take off or land from? Oh, I, well, I didn't notice that. I just think that's it's a it's in a country where things there's not a lot of infrastructure and it's not there's not a lot enough upkeep to i agree with you i want to know how they landed that plane very carefully i'm sure it was just a rough landing i have to think well all right what did you think i was gonna say my question is why are they blowing up this chopper and the helicopter had an expendables logo on it so either this it did did. so either (laughs) either totally reckless you know this is their helicopter that barney's just like i don't need that anymore or they rented it and painted an expendables logo I don't know which one of those is more likely, but well, they, they get let's this think t- about it. The fact if they knew they were going to destroy it when they rented it, why bother painting the logo on it? <laughs> right, exactly. They had to make sure that the, those guys, the prisoners, knew who was who, coming, who was there, so they could tell the tale. Even I, though they're all dead, I probably would have had a note. I missed that it had a logo. That is completely reckless. Yeah. 
Well, and unnecessary. Like, why are they even? Why destroy the evidence? Aren't they like? They're not incognito at all. So it's not like oh, it's got our fingerprints, right? And it didn't seem like there was any airwolf type technology on there that they had that it couldn't fall into the wrong hands. Yeah, exactly. It's just a helicopter, and they painted their logo on it. So exactly, it's not like they're incognito. You're exactly right. I didn't notice that. It's just to have the moment of just like, yeah, I'm blowing this up. You just, bet that's what I think it was. They thought it would be cool. It's stupid. Uh, uh, all right. So can I just say, I know you love Man and Knife. I have to tell you right now, and maybe it's just because I'm a Wesley Snipes fan, The Knife Before Christmas, yeah. I love even more than Man and Knife. I like that, too. Oh, the next before Christmas is one of my favorite lines. It's pretty sharp. He only learned Christmas's name, you know, like, like that uh, thirty seconds earlier. And yeah, he immediately Doc is has like a, a stand-up comedian. Yeah, he's he's very uh, quick on his feet for sure. Knife before Christmas, no, I like the knife before Christmas. I agree, that's a good one too. So yeah, we learn a little bit of backstory in the Expendables, which I find interesting. That you know, Doc kind of gives some history of like we started with five, we built it up to twenty-two. Yeah, because you never got a sense from the first two movies that. This is a group on the decline, but that's the way he paints it. Just like, oh, we had 22 guys, and here's all that's left. It's just yeah, and what I kind of wonder with 22, do they, as much as of a wrecking crew as the guys that we've come to know, how much damage with 22 of them could they have done? Yeah, I mean, I assume that having 22 guys just means you can take on multiple jobs at once. You can be like, you six oh, go over up. there, okay. yeah, split them up. But maybe, I don't know. I mean, it would I mean be, can you imagine? You would need more than one helicopter, that's for sure. Yes. And you couldn't just be blowing them up either. Yeah. So it seems like the original five, we know who four of the original five are, it seems like, right? Because based on what we, are, we learned in this movie, Doc says he was an original. Stone Banks. Stone Banks, who we'll meet in a second. Barney and Trench, right? Trench was originally in The Expendables? Or am I misremembering from previous movies? No, I don't think he, I think he was always a competitor. Oh, really? Think, yeah, I don't, because he doesn't have one of the tattoos. That's true. I mean, I think they say at one point that they like ran together, but that may have been pre-expendables or I some think. other yeah, group. Okay. Because I think they're both they're both mercenaries, and maybe they took some jobs where it was too big for that, one crew. That's a good point, though. That's uh, he doesn't have the tattoo. Okay, because I was trying to figure out if we know all five, but I guess <laughs> what not. I, I still remember that conversation. It makes me laugh of the unspoken that Trench doesn't say what happened to his crew when he's getting rescued. Oh, right, expendables right, yeah, too? yeah, uh, definitely. Yeah, I mean, well, if, that, if he had a habit of doing that, then I don't think Barney would still be here. Like, he, he would have been one of those guys who was just like, oh, no, they're waiting for me. <laughs> yes, they, they just haven't come to rescue me yet. Well, I, I have some questions about Trench's uh, group when we, later let's when get we get there. there, but uh, let's save it. Yeah, so then they have, they're going right to another job. Yeah. I might, I'm going like, hey, maybe let Doc sit this out. He literally just got out of prison for yeah, who knows was, how long. He was captive for how long. You have no idea what condition, mentally and or physically, he was going to be in. But you've just planned, nope, we're picking you up and we're going to work. <laughs> I got your stuff, so you have to do it. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's, that's his a, argument. And Doc says, okay. <laughs> right. Oh, and he's in great shape. That's the thing. We're going to see him in a second fl- doing all kinds of parkour moves and acrobatics. It's like, this guy was in prison for like eight years. So was I right? In my, you got exactly to that. My next note is, is it Casino Royale that has a similar sequence in terms of the jumps and like swinging it's a little more elaborate than this it's more elaborate but it reminds i'm right it was in casino royale right there's yeah, a chase yeah. sequence there's a parkour where, sequence I mean, that's yeah. that's definitely parkour this is more like he's he's very acrobatic and he's limber or whatever but i don't know what I, this doesn't seem quite like parkour parkour seems like a very specific style of like moving around i don't know I'm not an expert but it's neither like, am i since i'm just learning the word right now oh really yeah <laughs> yeah that's what it's called it's it's I don't know if you'd call it like a martial art because it's not fighting. It's like it's movement or whatever. Yeah. 
but it's like supposed to be like getting from place to place as easily as possible. Oh, it's like acrobatics, but it's like in a public place. Okay. But anyway, I, the guy in Casino Royale that he's chasing it was like the inventor at parkour. Oh. So it's like it a, makes sense why it's such an elaborate sequence. Yeah, then. yeah. Whereas this, I don't know if the stuntman they hired is specially trained. I'm, I'll, I'll, I, I would imagine this is just a guess, but I would imagine just based on how the guy moves and kind of, I would imagine that real parkour guys would look at that and be like, God, oh, that, that guy's amateur hour. That's not real parkour. Yeah. You, know, you know what I mean? But I don't. All know. Right. Well, either way, that's what it reminded me of. And then the other thing is that. He takes control of a crane, and all I could think of is Danny Madigan. Oh, yeah. I was waiting for Leo the fart. Well, I mean, at least here you could imagine he somehow learned how to drive a crane. Danny Madigan's just like, I don't know what I'm doing, but yeah, here we go. It's working because I'm in a movie. He doesn't have to do uh, any kind of like catching of things. He just picks up a crate and lets him in, and it's like, yeah. Danny caught a guy in midair, <laughs> a corpse. And uh, I did skip over, but we find we do get Terry Crews for a li- the minimal amount of screen time he does show up. He's got a boat and a minigun. Yeah, at least he gets a moment with a giant gun. Yes. It's all I want. It's like, uh, you know, we talked about it last episode, but like I don't want him fighting, fist fighting. Just have a giant gun and shoot it. Okay. Yeah. So you get that, but here's what, here's what I think. I think that the biggest problem for me in this is I didn't maybe realize is that I actually think Terry Crews might be the heart of like the Expendables. Yeah, I and with, agree with honestly, that. without him in it, and he's not in those other two movies a ton, but I actually, I'm like, there's a pretty big gap without Terry Crews in this movie. I, and, would, I would agree. And it's really amplified because of Statham taking a backseat in this movie. You put those two together, and look, I like Stallone, but to be honest, I think those two guys are what made those first two movies interesting. <clears throat> I mean, do you think we could figure out who is which body part if Terry Crews is the heart? <laughs> you know? Are we doing the David Brent where... You, you've got, you know, the guys in the warehouse, they're the hands. <laughs> exactly, yeah. And the salespeople are there, they're the mouth. I mean, Barney's obviously the brain. Yes. Or maybe not. Maybe uh, secretly, you know, Lee is the brain or something. I don't know. But, uh, I, no, I completely agree. I, I, I think you're right that uh, without Hail Caesar, you know, Hail Caesar, Hail Caesar the, and Lee Christmas is the heart. And they're, they're just, they have such limited screen time. I think that that is a big part of the problem with this movie. And I didn't realize that Terry Crews was busy, so that makes more sense why they didn't have more screen time for him. Yeah. But I think that that was a big loss, not having him. No, and, and you're right. I think Terry Crews in particular. If it had been anybody else who was yeah, the one was that was Randy injured. Kuchar, yeah, right. I, right. I mean, in a vacuum, you make Randy Kuchar the guy who's injured. Yeah. Or dead, really. I mean, I, I'm surprised they didn't just commit to killing one of the old Expendables. I mean, it would have been a major choice, and like you right. know, it would have been a pretty big deal in a movie like this. I mean, they killed a guy in the last movie. It was a, he was just Billy the Kid. He wasn't, like, one of our guys. But I know. Still. That's the reason why they chose to do it. But I think it would have been a bold choice to, you know, if... if well, I mean, I, I wouldn't want to kill off... Uh, uh, I wouldn't want to kill off Hail Caesar. No, I wouldn't. No, I think that's why they didn't. Right. Because he wasn't available is the reason why he's the one injured, and they chose not to kill him off because they didn't want to get rid of Yeah, Hail in case Caesar. they make a fourth one, they wanted yeah. him to be available. Yeah. But, yeah. They, they could have killed Toll Road, I think, and <laughs> everything would have been fine. No, Other than the name being gone. No offense, Randy Kuchar, but it's like, it, that that uh, bears out in the body count also. You see who's valuable and who's not when you look at that, that body count. All right, so can, now let, let's get there, all right? So they're, they're, the chopper's coming in, and I don't even remember the fake name that they have of this, this uh, uh, oh, yeah. arms dealer. I it doesn't it matter. Yeah. It's Mel Gibson. It's Conrad Stonebanks, which is a pretty it, good name, I have to say. It is. Why? I realize that this entire crew has never been stealthy, but 
I mean, he's yelling. He has he has an elevated position and can kill this guy, and he just yells out his name, Stonebanks. Yeah, he just blows it because he's he has like revenge in his eyes or something. I think that's what it's supposed to be. He hates Stonebanks so much. You know, I, he just like lost his mind for a second. Right. Barney did. That that was a bit of a stretch. They do a terrible job of selling it, but I think that's what it's supposed to be. Is he hates Conrad Stonebanks so much that he couldn't contain his rage, and he just ah Stonebanks, and he tried to kill him. It's like that, they could have sniped him from a mile away. Right. They had uh, you know they had Dolph Lundgren on the boat with like a long range like scope and everything. He could have just shot him in the head. Or Terry Crews could have used his minigun <laughs> and just mowed him down. He could have mowed the lawn. Yes, as he says. Yeah, I, I don't know. Uh, Victor Mins is the fake name. Thank you, Victor I, Mins. I, I should have wrote that down. And I, so I have another. I I have a question for you. Does Lee really not know how much they're getting paid? I guess not. He, he made, says I it. mean, honestly, would you take a job doing this if you didn't know how much you were getting paid? He probably just forgot. He just slipped his mind. He's like, wait a minute. He's getting two jobs mixed up. He's like, is this the one where we're getting paid? <laughs> <laughs> you know, two million, or is this the one where we're getting paid eight hundred thousand? You know what I mean? Probably something like that. You so, know, he's in the middle of a crisis. He can't think straight. He can't remember. Speaking of that crisis, so what do you think of this action sequence? I don't think it's very good. It's pretty dull. Time to mow the lawn kind of makes me laugh just because my, my initial note was, is this the most mundane comparison to time to mow the lawn? It's just like, it seems so mundane. And then I realized that like one out of every three action movies have someone say it's time to take out the trash. So I'm like, what other mundane household tasks could you <laughs> could you say in an action scenario? Oh wow! I've got a couple suggestions. Let me hear them. I actually, off the top of my head, I can't come up with anything. I just, it's time to unclog the drain. <laughs> that sounds like porno, though. Uh, yeah, that's true. I mean, I guess actually mow the lawn kind of is because you know what it reminded me of. Keep keep your list, but it reminded me of. I immediately thought of True Detective. That's what came to my mind with I like my lawn because there's the huge confrontation about mowing the oh, lawn. Oh, right, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's actually what came to mind. It's a euphemism for something else. But anyway, go ahead. I was just building to the one that I know you will appreciate, which is it's time to rearrange my sock drawer. Which, <laughs> yes. Yeah, that's uh, Doing you know, something more dangerous like rearranging my sock drawer. Right. But yeah, I, I, I love the moment with Terry Crews firing this giant weapon. That's really the only part of the sequence I think is fun. Otherwise, it's just very boilerplate. They're shooting. <laughs> bad guys are shooting. It's just everyone's shooting. I did also enjoy, maybe just because I like Terry Crews, I enjoy Make Room for Caesar, and then he's able. I don't know where that <laughs> ramp came from. <laughs> yes. That he jumps that boat onto it. That feels like a moment from Fast and Furious, and I wonder if that was like an influence or whatever. It's just it like, felt, yeah, I, you were absolutely right. And Caesar didn't know they were going to have a flatbed truck. They like changed vehicles halfway through. It's like, what if they had like a little hatchback or something? It would have been, he would have just like part on top of the car. I didn't write it down, and there's not a lot of Stallone stuff I like, but for some reason it also made me laugh when Statham asked, what was that? The big black guy on a boat, or with a, I think it's with a boat. <laughs> right. <laughs> the way Stallone does it, it's so funny. I don't know if it's supposed to be funny, but it really made me laugh. I mean, it's, it's supposed to be funny. I think it's funny just how, like, it's just descriptive. He's not... <laughs> he literally is saying That's what it, what it is, yeah. He's yeah. just explaining what it is. Um, so then we get to mowing the lawn is wrecking shop, but Stonebanks he really does wreck shop because he literally has a missile. Yeah, well, that's, uh, is that what he's selling? No, he's selling like, bombs or something. Yeah. So he just happened. Also, he happens to have his missiles. <laughs> he brings those around. Yeah, he probably has like it's like you know he wants to show his his other wares. He's like, well, you're here for this, but while you're shopping, he might, he might be cutting a deal, right? right exactly. Well, you, well, I can get you this thirty percent off if you're you know now because you're here today. It's a package deal. But yeah, I mean, he's an arms dealer, so it makes sense. He's going to have the best uh, weapons available. Yes. And so I had a note, why did he pick Hail Caesar? But now it all makes sense why Hail Caesar is the one who singled out. <laughs> right. Because he wasn't available. Show. Yeah, he wasn't available for filming. Right. Why not shoot all of them? Why not? 
this stuff drives me crazy. Just for plot convenience, he decides not to kill them. Right. When he obviously should. There's no reason why he shouldn't. Right, because how were they going to get him up in a chopper? They weren't. How are they going to, you mean, uh, capture him? No, well, how, the point is, is he's got an elevated position on them with weapons. Oh, right, they can't fight back, really. There's not, there's not much they can do. Out of range, and he's yeah. firing down on them, yeah. Yeah, they're toast. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, and, and, and like, he shoots Hail Caesar, then shoots them with a missile, they get blown to the water, then just crawl out and perform, like, it's not CPR, whatever it would be, it's like, you know, yeah. field medicine, on Hail Caesar, and they're perfectly safe. Like, apparently everyone just left, and it's like, okay, you guys take care of your guy, we're gonna leave. It's like, I they're t- vulnerable trying to save their man, he could've just dropped a bomb on him. I took it as though as that they had killed every single person, <laughs> maybe, other than Stonebanks. Yeah, but not Stonebanks, yeah, they're still there. It's crazy that he doesn't do something about this. It's it's, like, it, but you said that was plot convenience. Well, well, especially because they know who he is. Right. They know that he's not Victor Minns, and now the CIA knows this. If, if he kills them, now the CIA doesn't know this anymore. Right. He gets to keep his secret identity. So he has every reason to kill these guys, and he has every advantage and every opportunity to. Because they're going to be able to go back and tell Jack Ryan. Right, exactly. <laughs> Should we get to that? There's a hospital scene. You yeah, know, it, whatever. It get better. He's my lucky ring. Yeah, and that's no, all it is. Nothing we're talking about. <laughs> that's actually... The, if you were writing the script, that's probably only for a short. Oh yeah, I'd be blown past this stuff. Just like, eh. you'd be like if you get better, here's my lucky ring. Right, that's all you'd say. That's really all there is. Although I did notice how quickly Wesley Snipes bought civilian clothes. Like, did they stop somewhere? <laughs> they, he did some shopping. I missed that. <laughs> I mean, he's maybe. not wearing his, his like military gear that uh, Barney had. It's just like he's wearing like a. He's wearing a very stylish out. He's got like a sport coat on and stuff. You're right. It, it's, it's more like he swung by. Um, oh, how can I not remember his name? And Whiteman can't jump. Um, You're talking about Silk Cozart? No, no. Uh, Snipes' character's name. Oh, uh, Billy Hoyle and Sydney. Sydney. Sydney yeah. He swung by Sydney Dean's apartment and grabbed some <laughs> of his clothes. I don't know. I think Sydney Dean's uh, style looks ridiculous, especially in hindsight. I guess you're right. Whereas, no, I think Wesley Snipes looks great. He's, he's very he's well dressed. He's and very, stylish. Yeah, I think, stylish. He, I think that's why I noticed it because, like, where did he get these clothes? I guess he's been sitting in I'm, like a. I'm actually mad at myself. I didn't pick up on that. How he had time to go swing by and get that. Right. Stuff. Before we take Hell Caesar, it was like, we gotta stop. I gotta look good in the I hospital. Could- never know who I might see. Yeah. Well, they do see Arnold. We don't want to skip that. So he just wanders into the movie. Yeah. I I like Arnold in this. This scene, not as much. Not that there's much here. No, there's not much here. But you know how I feel very strongly about Arnold getting a good introduction and just like, here I am. I'm just walking into the movie. It's yeah. like the first movie, he made his grand entrance. And the second movie, it was the big reveal. He's the guy yeah. in the chair. No, here, this- he, just, he literally wanders into the shot. Hello. <laughs> right. It drives me crazy. When actors like that don't get proper introductions... Harrison Ford gets a proper introduction. He does. I, I agree with you, and it's a bummer. But what I'll say is that there's a lot of other stuff. He gets a lot. It feels like, I didn't time it, but it feels like he gets more screen time in this than any of the other ones. And I think they make up for it, because I like some of his stuff at, at the back end of the Arnold movie. does? Yeah, Arnold. Yeah, I, I, I would guess it's probably about the same as two. Could be. Because he got a lot of time in that, in in that sequence. Little car. Too. Yeah, he did. Whereas here, he's kind of showing up the last minute. Like For most of that final action sequence, Arnold's not around. But yeah, it's, I mean, it's, it's enough. All right, so I, I, wanted to, I wanted to ask you this on the introduction. I know that it's no longer bad puns and machine guns, but Church is out of the picture. Does, oh, that would be, we would be counting that. Okay, I just wanted to make sure, because it, it brought a smile to my face. I mean, that would be like number three at this point, right? <laughs> Knife Before Christmas, and so. there's probably one more. Yes. 
Um, yeah, that that's a great line. Like, oh, that's, I, think, that's, I think it's amazing. That's the exact right way to have a little fourth wall break. It's it's like if you can make it make sense in the context of the movie, also like, yeah, that's that's a really good line. Also, do you know the story of why Bruce Willis is gone? No. They offered him $3 million for four days' work, and he balked, and he wanted an extra million. And they said, go to hell. We can get Harrison Ford for that. And they got Harrison Ford instead. (laughs) (laughs) Is it confirmed Harrison Ford got $4 million? I don't think anyone knows how how much Harrison Ford has paid. But But they just said, we can go get Harrison Ford. Right. If we're going to pay that much, we can get someone better than you, basically, is what they said. And they, they... yeah. Well, can I say I really enjoyed Harrison Ford in this movie? I agree. I think it's not his fault, but at the end of the movie when he's flying the helicopter, there's a lot of silly stuff. Every shot of him is just like he's sitting perfectly still and there's a camera swooping around him. You know yeah, what I mean? You, th- it's you not said, his that's fault. not his fault. In particular, this, I love how he's just so angry at the beginning. I mean, he's <laughs> yeah. so angry. And then all of a sudden, it's like a switch gets flipped. Hey, Barney, relax. <laughs> right. Nice to meet you. Finally, exactly. you're, gonna give, you're gonna give yourself a was it aneurysm? Well, no, a, a stroke. Stroke. You're gonna yeah. give yourself a stroke. Yeah, I really enjoy him in, in this. Really, in all of them, but in this, for some reason, he's so angry at the beginning. Right, he's mercurial. Yeah. Well, I mean, Bruce Willis is kind of like that in the first two movies, where it's like he's real tough, and then it's just like I want to crack a joke now. You know, he's, it's like I think he's just kind of trying to. Take, oh, well, here's the thing. I think I think obviously they didn't change much of this dialogue. I, I think, think all of that. this dialogue was written for Bruce Willis and then at the last minute. Because later in the movie, there's a joke about being such short notice. They're like, oh, thanks, wow. Harrison Ford, for, for getting us this helicopter on such short notice. He's like, yeah, real short notice. I didn't, oh, I missed that one. Because <laughs> like they like hired him like two days before he started. Or <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. So yeah, I, I, I doubt they rewrote much of this. I bet they tacked on the line at the beginning, oh, where's Church? Oh, he's out of the picture. And then everything else the- is literally stuff they wrote for Church. He's out of the picture. <laughs> All right, so I, I get that there he's transporting the art in, or he's transporting weapons in the art, but this art scene with Mel Gibson, it's, no, it's so dumb, and it just feels pointless. I don't know. I kind of like it as a, really? as a kind of depiction of who this villain is and what he does with his time. He's like, like here, here's what I take away from this character, and I, I think, I mean, I don't, I don't know how much we should talk about Mel Gibson and that whole thing, but uh, you know, I do think that Mel Gibson is really good in this movie. I do too. I think he's a great villain, and I think he's really giving a good performance. It's like just on the edge of being hammy, but he he keeps he he's right on the edge. I was gonna say he's on the edge, and he knows when to reel it just back enough. Right, but I think I totally buy this as a real person. It's like, and to me, like this scene, what this scene tells to me about this character is. He uses the art to smuggle weapons across borders because yeah. whatever, customs, whatever. Because he watches True Lies. Oh, well, no. And there it's inside sculptures, right? Sculptures, but it's in a giant crate. I mean, it's, it's very similar. In, in this movie, he says something about they don't, like, they uh, don't x-ray. X-ray. I didn't look up to see if that's true because it'll ruin either. the oils. Right. But I, I, I had a note. I'm like, oh, he, he watched True Lies. I guess that's true. But that's like literally physically inside sculpt, like, yes. like, antiquities. Where but we never like, could figure out how they got it inside the antiquities, by the way. We right, tried. Right, yeah, 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 for sure. It doesn't make sense. All right. I, I, the main reason I have it for this is because in two scenes from this, there's an even more pointless scene. When it's him, all I could think of is on top of a pile of money with many beautiful ladies. Because he shows up, there's a couple of like, it looks like best in show dogs. Oh, with, at his house. Yes, yeah, yeah, and it's just mansion. like him turning around, looking at the camera, I'm like this was a totally pointless scene. That, that I agree, that is a pointless scene. It's that they're just offloading the art into his house. Yeah. Well, I think it's, it's to make you think that he bought this art for himself, but then you learn later that it, it's... I, yeah, but, that's, or, but makes me think, like, I don't care that this guy buys art. 
or is it the idea? No, I think it. I think it illustrates something about his character because it's the way he just, he talks about the art. He's very dismissive of it, kind of. Yeah, that it's just a bunch of paint. Yeah, just a canvas. bunch of paint, and why is it this much? And he still buys it. He's like yeah, four million. For, sure. Yeah. Although the, the amount was four million, I, I wish they had made a joke about the Bruce Willis three million, four million. <laughs> It would have been great. Yeah, the art dealer's just like four million. It's like, why don't we make it three? Don't go, don't go crazy. <laughs> don't get greedy. They could have. They could have secretly. I can go get something else for that. Right, exactly. A better that painting. Actually, would have been great. Um, but um, I could go get a more famous painting for that. No, but see, to me, I, I interpret this as Stone Banks is a guy who has a ton of money because, from selling weapons, and so he puts on a show of being big and opulent, but he doesn't care about any of it. It's just for show. It's like he has a big mansion. He buys all this artwork. He hangs it up. He's just like, look at how rich I am. But it's, it's, he actually doesn't give a damn. It's just like, I buy that. this is something he feels like he has to do to kind of, I don't know if he's trying to put on some kind of legitimate front or if people just know. I that. buy that. But that's what it seems tells me. It's just like, well, I, and what you bring up is it is kind of disappointing with all of his, you know, well, I guess we'll just say whatever personal issues and, you know, certainly don't condone any of that. No, of course. But it, it's like it's too bad because Mel Gibson's a pretty good actor. I agree. And, you know, um, again, would not excuse anything. No, any you can't. Of that. But it, it, it is interesting how many people have come out and defended him. As And I don't think any of those people are excusing what he did. But it's just like, um, who was it? Uh, Jody Foster. Really? Has been very vocal in saying, like, you know, Mel deserves a second chance. Um, Robert Downey Jr., he, there was an award ceremony uh, where Robert Downey Jr. won an award. I don't know if, it, I don't think it was the Oscars, it was something else. But uh, he had asked that Mel Gibson present the award to him. And then when he won the award, he talked about how when he was at his lowest and was like going right. to prison, et cetera, Mel was one of the people that reached out to him and helped him and basically said, you know, you deserve a second chance. Wow. And so Robert Downey was like that. saying, like, Pleading to the industry, saying like Mel deserves a second chance. He's trying to make right, etc. Oh, and it was also I read, it, and this is years ago. I read this article. Um, I don't remember where I read this or whatever, but about and it seemed pretty legitimate. It didn't seem like someone trying to. Didn't seem like someone with an agenda. It was a yeah. story about Mel Gibson and what he, you know, all the things he did. But it wasn't it was, a PR piece. Yes, but it was also about. I guess according to this article, again, don't know if it's true, but it seems legit that Mel Gibson was kind of quietly. Going speaking to a lot of like rabbis and kind of going to synagogues in L.A. and trying to make right, just kind of privately and saying apologizing and kind right. of trying to f- find out what he could do to make to it apologize, right. but not make it look like it was again a PR move that he was just trying to apologize right publicly to try and put it behind him. So it's it's a complex thing because you you say all that and it sounds like we're defending him, but at the same time, if you remember the things that he said, they're they're vile. So it's yeah. just like. He's obviously a very complex person, and it's, you know, there's obviously a side of him that is ex- extremely dark. Vile. Yeah, yeah, for and, sure. But uh, all of that aside, again, I, it's unfortunate because you know the guy's a pretty good performer, and it's just too bad that he had some vile stuff and yeah. probably justifiably was pushed aside. Yeah, I mean, I think uh, gradually he's working his way back into movies. He was in that. Uh, what was that with the uh, uh, Will Ferrell and? Uh, Mark oh, Wahlberg. yeah, the, the, the sequel to um, is it Daddy's Home. Daddy's Home, yeah. Daddy's yeah, Home, Daddy's I, Home too. I haven't actually, I haven't seen either one, so I don't know. It may be funny, maybe not. I don't know. No, but just the fact that a studio would be willing to cast him in like a family comedy. Family like that. comedy, and it's a sequel, so I mean, that, that's, it's an established franchise. That is that, taking a little bit of a risk. Yeah. So it seems like his image is gradually a, rehabilitating. Yeah. I, mean, 
Uh, all right, so we'll we'll get back in between those two scenes is when Barney decides, oh, I'm going to retire this old crew. Can I can I ask you this? His logic is is that they should get out now before they wind up in a hole in the ground without anyone giving a you know a crap. Right. What amount of time do these guys have left? Are, are they going to go and like establish a family? They, this <laughs> right. is what they have left. It's so nonsensical to me. I actually I like got mad. I'm like this. I understand the oh the the concept of the movie is he wanted to start a new crew meaning sylvester stallone wanted you know the young guys but this logic oh it's you guys need to get out now you know before it's too late it is too late right i mean yeah it's obviously a lie i I don't think that's i don't think we're supposed to believe that this is actually the real logic that he's doing he's bringing up the team I i think well if you think about the first movie it's essentially the same idea where Barney's like, I'm going back to this island. No, none of you come with me. And then, of course, they all volunteer and they come with him. And eventually the same thing happens here. So it's like he knows he's not telling them that he's going after Stonebanks. This is his lie saying, I'm breaking up the team. You know, we had a real rough scrape. Now let's just cut our losses. Let's not keep going and, and risk it anymore. But it's a lie. He's, he's going after Stonebanks. He doesn't want them to come with. He doesn't want to put them at risk. You know, and I think it's a, the idea is that he knows or he believes it's going to be a one way trip. He's basically committing suicide, and he doesn't want to drag them with him. I think that's what's going on. But I guess, but to me, the, I guess the whole point is, is that all right, if it is a one way trip, it's probably a trip that they would want to be on too because there's nothing left for them. Yeah, well, definitely because they do eventually. Right. It, it's stupid. It's not motivated in terms of like you really would need to believe that Barney is broken. Like, yeah. just seeing this guy that from his past and just, like, he's haunted by... it. The movie doesn't sell you on this at all. It's just, like, you just go stone back. He's angry. Yeah, I mean, he's it. angry. No question about it. So, what I'm saying is what I think the movie intends, but that's not what comes across. I agree. I mean, it's right. just... it. It's stupid. It doesn't make sense. Well, for me, then, it leads into one of the things that I enjoyed, which was Kelsey Grammer and having to assemble the new team. I do have some questions, at least one question on this new team. Okay, what? Do you have any? I have some other things to talk about, so you go okay. ahead. So how long were they going to stay at that club and wait for a fight to break out so that he could see Ronda <laughs> Rousey in action? <laughs> that's a great I mean, point. would they be like 10 beers in? I mean, how long? That's my question to you. How long were they going to have to stay at that club? That's a great point. Or did Kelsey Grammer slip those guys some money? <laughs> so I, didn't start I, a fight. I like that. that. He seems like that kind of guy, too. Right. Yeah. Oh, that's perfect. You just stole my thunder. I did not think of that. Kelsey Grammer's character completely seems like that kind of guy, too. I mean, the only problem with that theory is if Kelsey Grammer wants to show off Ronda Rousey saying, like, wow, she's going to be a great mercenary, maybe do it in an environment where she's not wearing high heels. If he's going, like, oh, she's even better not wearing high heels, it's like, well, show her in the best possible light if that's the case. Yeah. It's just a scene that feels like an old man wrote it in terms of, like, I can't imagine there are a lot of female bouncers, but the whole point of the scene is, oh, the hostess, that, that can't be it. And it's like, oh, no, she's not the hostess. She's the bouncer. I just, yeah, that's kind of why I was making those noises earlier. It's just like, this is a stupid reveal. It is. It's Ronda Rousey. We know she's tough. But this <laughs> whole thing of just like, we're supposed no, to be so shocked that, oh, this no. woman can wait do wait this. Wait a minute. Haven't you seen She's All That? She had glasses on. That's so, true. She did have glasses so, on. So that was confusing. Don't you remember? I You're mean, right. you, you can't know. Oh, oh, oh. She did gla- No, she couldn't possibly tell if she has glasses That's on. her Clark Kent get up, Ex- and then she yes, takes it up. Exactly. Clara Kent. Um, no, the thing I was going to talk about is the music choice, and this is oh. kind of the thing that really rubs me the wrong way with this movie. And, you know, I don't want to sound like an old man, a grumpy old man. You are. I mean, I am a grumpy so old man. That's fine. Well, hopefully that's part of our charm. I don't yeah. know. <laughs> but 
this song, I like the song, by the way. This is a song, it's called Come With Me Now by Kronos. It was a big hit uh, in 2014 when this movie came out. I like the song, I like the band. I like the band because they have an accordion in it. Yes. <laughs> it's the I, only like, rock band I know of. I was just going to say, I, I couldn't, when you said the name of the song, I'm like, wait, how does it go? As soon as you said accordion, I'm like, all right, I know that song. Yeah. yeah. An unironic accordion. It's not like <laughs> a joke. They are totally on it's board. It's not with a cowbell. Them. Yeah, and they're a great band. I liked them. But like a, a hip new song in an Expendables movie really bothered me because it's just, it just feels like the movie just getting down on its hands and knees. Please, young people, like us. We'll, we'll put some of you in our movie. Just come see the movie. We'll put some of you, some of your music. We'll make it PG-13 so 15-year-olds can come. Will you like this song? It's a new song. You I know, like the previous this. two movies are like Creedence Clearwater Revival yeah. and like, you know, it's like classic uh, rock. Absolutely. It's totally stuff that the guys in Predator would be listening to on their plane is what was in the previous movies. Yeah, definitely. And and he hasn't even met these youngsters yet. It'd be one thing if like these young kids are like, here's the music they're playing right. and like they're listening to it when they arrive. No, he's it's a shot of him coming down an escalator at an airport. He hasn't even arrived there yet. Uh, no. Barney he, doesn't listen to this stuff. He's it's not an escalator because I, I didn't put it in my notes. Because if it was an escalator, it really would have made me think of Rain Man because it's just Las Vegas, Nevada. He's on a moving walkway. Oh, so is he? It, okay. Yeah, and I think it's actually in a casino because ca- casinos do have moving walkways. Yeah, Bally's yeah. has one. Yeah. I, if it would have been an escalator, because I was thinking Las Vegas, Nevada, I'm like, oh, I can see the Rain Man here. If it would have been an escalator, that would have been it. Okay, I thought it was an escalator. It seemed like a similar shot. No, it, it's a moving walkway. Okay. Anyway, that's all. I, that's all I had to say about the music. So some of the stuff I already had, like the Air, Air Force Base, you you tried convincing me. Can I say I love probably my most endearing and favorite part of Kelsey Grammer is when he tells that BS story about that he's dying. He delivers it perfectly. He does deliver well. Um, I, I don't know. I'm not. I don't you want to talk about pointless stuff. This character isn't even going to come back. Why are we getting to know Bonaparte, you know, <laughs> Kelsey Grammer's character? He's telling these uh, stories about his family and he's making up illnesses. It's just like, well, who cares? He's, you're going to be gone in five minutes. You're going to be out of the movie. <laughs> you're right. I just, because I liked him. Now, did you like Banderas' introduction? That's okay. That's kind of funny. I kind of liked it. The idea of him, like, this, like, he's so desperate to get a job. <laughs> I love that it was the third fake resume, like, this month. Well, that's what made me laugh. It's like, these guys have resumes? They're mercenaries. They have resumes. Stop sending me fake resumes. I, I envision Banderas on, like, a LinkedIn profile. <laughs> right. <laughs> no, what, what Antonio Banderas' character reminds me of. Uh, he is the Cliff Clavin of the Expendables. Perfect. <laughs> He's just constantly telling them interesting I, facts. And did you come up with that because of Kelsey Grammer? No, but uh, yeah, it's it true. Is per- it's perfect. Maybe that's why I was thinking of it. Yeah, it that's perfect. Yeah, He just won't stop talking. He won't stop telling them I mean, trivia. I, and surpri- I really liked, I, I probably shouldn't, I really liked Antonio Banderas in this movie. No, I think he's fine. I think he makes sense as an addition. Add him, add Wesley Snipes, add Kelsey Grammer. I'm fine with that. Let him be like a guy up in the plane, like giving him orders on a, on a headset or whatever. Yeah. It wouldn't make sense for him to be shooting guns. That would be weird. But That would be really weird. Um, yeah. Make him a part of the Expendables. Make him the new tool or whatever, like for real, and not just a guy who's in the movie for five minutes. Yeah, all those additions make sense. And Harrison Ford makes sense. It's just these <laughs> four youngsters. It, Again, not to sound like an old man, but none of them are interesting. I just, for some reason, the way this scene ends, I need a job. Antonio Banderas is really funny. I, I think he's a good addition to the team. Uh, all right, so then... Uh, I, Should we talk about the four not good additions? Should we run down the, the yeah, who these guys ahead. are? I mean, go ahead. So, I, honestly, I, I don't care about any of them. <laughs> no, me neither. 
Well, and it's also, again, it's trying to appeal to a younger a demographic. He's a drone pilot. He's an expert hacker and drone pilot. He's also a mountain climber and a base jumper. <laughs> Come on. Just Does he go spelunking as well? I mean, it's just literally like, it seems like a board meeting. What do millennials like? <laughs> okay, this guy does all of them. This place doesn't need a big ad or even correct spelling. <laughs> right. I agree with that logic. <laughs> Such a great line. Uh, I agree with that logic. Yes. So then there's uh, Luna, who uh, is Ronda Rousey, who is an expert at fieldcraft and close quarters combat. I have no idea what fieldcraft is, but... (laughs) I don't either. Can I ask you this? What is the point of bringing her onto the team? Because how likely is there going to be a bunch of close combat in what these guys do? And then Uh, how does she know? And then how does she know how to operate all of these firearms and operate... Like she's in SEAL Team 6. I mean, maybe that's what Fieldcraft is. I don't know what Fieldcraft is. I agree. She, she's portrayed as a hand-to-hand fighter. She's right. a bouncer. And yeah, she, okay. That she makes knows sense. How to, Fine. <laughs> yeah, I agree. Why? And so why would she be on the team? And then how can she operate all of those weapons? Well, when it comes down to it, none of these characters are useful except for one, and that's Thorn the Hacker. He's the only one who does, does anything. anything. Yeah. I mean, the most useless is Victor Ortiz. He worked at DARPA or something, and he's an expert at like modern advanced weaponry. Flag has now been reactivated. Yes. What advanced weaponry does he use in this movie? None. No, because he can't take any off the Air Force Base. It makes no sense right, exactly. why this skill set matters. We need an expert in advanced weaponry. Do we have any advanced weaponry? No. We still need one. Flag has now been reactivated. He, he is the most useless character yeah. in, in any movie I can remember. He's, you barely even notice he's there. He does do a lot of killing later, but it's like, as a character, what does he contribute to this nothing. movie? Absolutely nothing. Yeah. You, it literally, he doesn't even make the face like somebody farted all the time. <laughs> well, you always make the joke you could put a cardboard cutout of somebody and it wouldn't make a difference. <laughs> literally, it would not make a difference. I don't think he even really talks much. He has, like, maybe three lines of dialogue the whole movie. Wouldn't that be great if he came up with that? Hey, man, I'll just go get a cardboard cutout of myself made and let it mail in the performance. Right. He's an expert at at stealth. He'll blend in anyway. (laughs) He can fit in the tight spaces. You can just fold him up. Yes. Anyway, his name is Philippa... Silva. Oh no, that's that's Galgo's fake name. Sorry, yes. Mars is the is uh, Victor Ortiz's name. Garga, and then John Smiley, who's the bad boy of the bunch. Yeah, the Chris. The, this is who I said they couldn't get Chris Pine, so they got whoever this actor is. Any, I don't know any young Chris. Plug yeah. him in, and he'll he'll do the job. <laughs> Chris Pratt, Chris Pine, yeah. Chris Helmsworth, whatever. Anyway, so the, my one piece of trivia on this actor, his name is Kellen Lutz. I'd never heard of him. I imagine you've never heard of him. Nope. This is a piece of trivia on Kellen Lutz's Wikipedia page. And keep in mind what this guy looks like. Wait a minute. Wikipedia, not IMDb. Okay. I usually go to Wikipedia. I'm not like, I don't mind IMDb. I just don't like the way it's laid out. I prefer prefer Wikipedia in general. But I don't think IMDb has this piece of trivia. It says, on June 24th, 2016, Lutz tweeted that he had a meeting with both McGee and Mary Viola. I don't know who that is. About playing the role of (laughs) He-Man. That guy's not He-Man? That guy... What do you think, he's 5'9"? He, He-Man is actually in this movie. <laughs> right, exactly. That's He-Man. Yeah, there's like multiple He-Man. There's like eight guys in this movie who but play He-Man. But my point is, is literally somebody oh, you're right. who's oh, you're played right. He-Man I forgot the is Dolph, in this movie. I forgot Dolph Lundgren played He-Man. That I blocked guy. that movie from... The only scene from that movie I remember is that weird creature going, moo, <laughs> with his like musical instrument thing. But, but my I never is, watched the parts with He-Man. I don't want to see He-Man in that movie. Pull up a scene where John Smiley and Gunner is in the same scene. One of the two of those is He-Man. It ain't John Smiley. You're right. Dolph Lundgren could still play He-Man. He probably could. Yeah, this guy is just Smiley. 
I don't. Uh, why is this, is there a reason his name is Smiley, or is that just more Stallone naming? I think it's Stallone naming. Honestly, is it supposed to be ironic that but he's no, grumpy? See, th- here's the point to me though: is that you don't know who any of these actors are. The whole point to the Expendables were you knew who all these. You know, they're they're washed up, right? For the most part, in terms of their action acting careers. You, if you're going to have a young crew, you have to have somebody. Again, it doesn't have to be Chris Pine. But it needs to be somebody that you know and have seen do action movies. Somebody from the Fast and the Furious. I know they're all you know like huge, and they probably couldn't afford them. But you know what I mean? I'm saying yeah. it needs to be somebody of that stature. Well, you and I don't know who these people are. I wonder if, I, who, other, if younger people do. Who, who's the? Uh, I, you know the Fast and the Furious better than me. He's in the first movie. He's either Dom's like he's like his right hand man that Paul Walker replaces. And he's in one of the, the later ones. Oh, yeah, I know, I know you're talking about. You know about. what I'm talking about, right? Because I've got a beard. Yeah, I know what yeah. you're talking about. Like that guy. That guy to me would be like somebody, if you're going to go get, right? If you can't get Vin Diesel, obviously, I understand why you can't get Vin Diesel. Go get that guy. Yeah. I should know his name, but that would be like, all right, he's been in some action movies. Fine. I, I, okay, I'll believe this guy. Some kind of pedigree. Yeah. Yes. They have no pedigree whatsoever. I mean, Ronda Rousey and Victor Ortiz were, you know, he, he was in MMA. Yeah, they're athletes. But they're not. They're, they're not. It's not like they were athletes that have done a bunch of action movies like Terry Crews, like Arnold Schwarzenegger, right? Yeah, I mean, they got to start somewhere, right? I think a lot of this is, and I agree that this is not the place to start, and I think a lot of this is, here, here's what I think happened. Sylvester Stallone struck gold with Mr. T in Rocky Three, and he's been trying to replicate it ever since. <laughs> I'm not even kidding. That's what's happening. because he's It's he, all clever language. He fault. is constantly casting athletes. Stallone does this all the time. He did it with Tommy Morrison. He did it with uh, who was the who, who was the boxer in Rocky Balboa? I forget. But you know, I mean, it makes sense in Rocky movies because right. cast a boxer, play a boxer, makes sense. Fine, that's not a big leap. Yeah, I mean, whereas Victor Ortiz is a ex boxer who is playing an expert in DARPA advanced weapons, so that's less of a good match. I agree. It's a bad idea to cast so many ex athletes. All right, I think the, right. the two the, the other two guys were actors. One of them was in the Twilight movies, I think, which is why I wonder if maybe he's more famous to younger people. Oh, could be. I think it's the the bad boy guy. I think he's in the Twilight. John movies. Smiley. Yeah, I mean that's not the actor's name. Kellen the, Lutz. I yeah, guess. the the future He Man. Right. Exactly. My impression directed never. by McGee. That can only go places. Well, he had a meeting with McGee. Who? That's never going to happen. It seems like McGee's theatrical career may be done. He's directing television now, so I I wouldn't uh, assume that's going to happen. All right. No, my, the impression I get is that this guy Kellen Lutz is like the sixth guy down in the Twilight <laughs> series. He's like a minor character. So he's like the guy that I'm talking about in the Fast and the Furious. Go get the sixth guy in the Fast and the Furious, not from the Twilight series. But I think you know when they're making this movie, they're saying we already got the action audience. We need to get the Twilight audience. Yeah, because that there's that Venn diagram. There's a lot that's going to overlap there. I, I, they're trying to push this movie. It's PG thirteen. You know, it's like they're trying to push this movie in that direction. They got a PG thirteen on this. Yeah, this is PG thirteen. Wow. There's no blood. I don't know if you pay attention. No blood. Guys get shot, fall down, not a single drop. We don't need to discuss the MPAA, but that's beyond ridiculous. I agree. It's the exact opposite of the way it should be. Yes. Oh, whatever. Let, all right. So no, we agree. Yeah. Right. Let, let's move on to, let, I, I want to talk about Ross and company aviation. I want to know, do you think he charters flights? Do you think that this is like Arnold in the sixth day where he's like out there chartering and doing like legitimate work? I would guess no. I, I would say this, front. Is, this is a front. Yeah. He, this, is, this, is how the, this is what the government thinks he does. Okay. That he charters flights, you know? And he, all right, so the irony of Harrison Ford hanging out in a Ford truck, I can't tell you. <laughs> okay, I have to read the, my note Please. word for word because we had the same thought. Harrison Ford is waiting in Barney's Ford truck. No doubt on the way, he forded a fjord while reading a <laughs> biography of Gerald Ford. <laughs> 
<laughs> we were on the same page there. That is amazing. <laughs> So then I assume, too, that just when you're I, I mean, he's not a director at the CIA. I don't know what his and Church's role are, but obviously they're, they're pretty far up. It's clear that in their training, they are just taught. If you're looking for Barney Ross, you just sit in the back of something at right. his airplane hangar and wait for him to show up. Well, I think it reinforces our theory from the previous movie that he lives <laughs> he was gonna, here. Yes. And then that Church was going to sit in that plane no matter how long it took. How long do you think Harrison... Do you think he was reading the autobiography of, <laughs> of Gerald Ford? Yeah, um, yeah. he was probably there for a while. You would think they would have uh, like underlings that would just do this. Yeah, no, he's <laughs> there personally. I'm, I'm here on behalf of... Uh, what's his character's name? I don't even know. Go, uh, not go, Drummer. Drummer, yes. But please wait for Drummer, and then he gets out and calls Drummer, and then Drummer pulls up. And just like, imagine I was sitting back here this whole time. I was back there the whole time. <laughs> right. Yeah, my impression is that Drummer was Church's boss, or like he's I, one I, level up. That's what, but that's even more amazing that he is personally right. sitting in this truck. Yeah, I agree. So there's this scene where the young, the, the old team and the young team are meeting. Yeah, and they're like the old guys are like menacing them, whatever. I don't know. It's supposed to be comedic. doesn't really work. I didn't think it landed at all, and it really shows how weak the actors, the younger actors are. Actors, That's I true. Say. Yeah, I would agree with that. They're not holding their own against... Not at uh, all. Yeah. Well, and you would think this would be a bigger deal, the team learning that Barney's got a job and doing it without him. Like, it's one thing to break up the team, but then to learn that he essentially lied to them. He's like, you're not quitting. <laughs> and you'd think it would be a bigger right, fight. Like, betrayed they'd, him. Yeah, they're, they'd, be, they'd be angrier at Barney. Yeah. But oh. it's just like all played off as a joke. It's just a weird sequence. Because later in the movie, they like get in front of the plane to like stop Barney from leaving. Like, you're not leaving without us. It's yeah. like, why don't they doing that here? They, instead, they're like just glowering at the plane as it leaves. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like They're just off to the side. It's oh. no match for my glower power. <laughs> Can nice, I? nice glower. All right. I, I, all right. So... I really want to focus on this, even though it's a total throwaway scene. Arnold's flying the plane, right? Okay. I guess, I guess so. I okay. Know. No, he, he is. Because he, he's... That's the other thing. I, I would be really upset. You just said how they just kind of glower. They're not allowed to go along, but Trench is. That's true, yeah. It really... So Trench is the one flying a plane. Here's what I want to know. I have down... Make sure your notes match mine. They are going to Bucharest, Romania, correct? Right. Why do they have to jump out of a plane? I don't know. <laughs> Why can't I have that note as well. Fly commercial. It's because it's extreme. That's exactly. Please, millennials, like us. That's why. We had base jumping. Now we got skydiving. I was so angry at this. I'm like, this is the stupidest thing <laughs> ever. Arnold's like, 30 seconds a drop. It's like, drop what? Where are they? <laughs> they're, they're going gonna... somewhere that you can hop on a United flight out of O'Hare. <laughs> they're just going to land at like the hotel door. Yes. Okay, so I'm right. I mean, they were flying somewhere that you and I right now could go and book a flight to. Mm -hmm. Yeah. They jumped out of a plane to the, get there. The, the next time we see them, they're in a public place in Bucharest, just in like a plaza somewhere. Why, and why couldn't Barney take his seaplane? Well, they wrecked the seaplane in two, if you recall. Okay, well, why can't, he, it's he decided for some reason his new plane was going to be a ground plane and not a seaplane, which seems like a liability. You'd think you'd want to have the option. Thank you, of your own plane. Yeah. Well, it's his plane, right? Isn't that the... Is yes. He bought a new plane. Yes. That's what my point is, is why doesn't he take that plane? Isn't the, that the plane? I think they do. They, they, they jump out of... Then why can't it land somewhere? <laughs> that, that, that's the question. They took Barney's plane, but they, they could have easily just landed it. Well, also, it's in driving distance of Bucharest or like, you know, because they just... Their plan is to kidnap stone banks and just drive back to the plane. So it's not like it's like 100 miles away. It's like there's, it's a book arrest. It's a major city. There's an airport they could land at. It's not like there's like no place to land. Yeah, that's the other thing I didn't 
think about it. Thank you. You just pointed it out. They're planning on kidnapping him and putting him in the plane, right? I assume. So Arnold has to land the plane somewhere close by. Why did they have to jump out of the plane? Well, we know he landed close by because later Barney drives to him. You know, after things go bad, I mean, it's, it's no, there's no question this plane landed nearby. They jumped out of the plane, and then Arnold immediately landed the plane at an airport that must have been like five miles away. It's so stupid. No, it is, it is so inexplicable. I can't even imagine that there was a deleted scene that explains it, because there's no, no explanation for it. There's, there's no way. It's literally just because they wanted to have them skydiving. Yeah, they thought I think it would be cool. Right. Yeah, no, dumb. But just not. There's no, it's not exciting. They, okay, they jumped out of a plane. Great. How, right. You don't even see them right plummeting. It's just them jumping out. Right. They jump out of the plane, cut to this plaza where they're spying on stone banks. It is really stupid. Okay. It's, it's incredibly, like, profoundly stupid. Thank you. And <laughs> the stupidity continues because they, they do some recon and they figure out how many guys stone banks have. And then Stallone is going to have his plan. Which, oh, what is it? Uh, you're going to kick in the door and start shooting? What is it? You think this is 1985? I have in here, I like the 1985 plan better. I agree. Because this Mission Impossible Ethan Hunt garbage? Yeah. The 1985 Dumb. plan would have been fun. Yes. This is not fun at all. Yeah, I guess maybe that is what they're going for is a Mission Impossible thing. That's like, what it felt like to me. But guess what? It's not as fun as Mission Impossible either. They could have just spun off the movie. If they wanted to do like an expendable spinoff... Barney's got a new crew, and they're more tech-savvy and young and hip, and they can do it. It's like, do, do it. Don't you know what? Just and, commit and to that. Speaking of this, there's another franchise. Couldn't they have go, gone and found somebody from the Mission Impossible franchise, too? I don't know. I mean, obviously, it's not going to be Tom Cruise and probably not Ving Rhames, but there's got to be somebody somebody young from one of those. Couldn't you go get some of those people? Well, they could get Ving Rhames, I'll bet. But what I'm saying is he wouldn't, be, like, he wouldn't be young. What I'm talking about is for like the new young crew. Go get like somebody from actual action movies. Jeremy Renner. That, well, I actually like Jeremy Renner. I think Jeremy Renner's bigger than The Expendables. Yeah, I don't know. He's he he takes a lot of like second banana parts. I guess he's the he's the non- Hawkeye. He's Hawkeye, and he, he's kind of the yeah. lamest of the Avengers. He's the knockoff born. Like he he is a knockoff born. I like you know him what? too, but I don't. I don't. Jeremy Renner would have been perfect. You're right. Yeah, he would have been perfect for the leader, dude. That's who they should have got was Jeremy Renner. You're right. I mean, he's a touch too old for what they want to do. But yes. it's like you know, they don't need to be this young. No. You know, younger than the existing Expendables would be would like be in the 40. <laughs> yeah. Jeremy Renner would be perfect yeah, for it. No question about it. All right, we just we solved one. We've got one, Jeremy Renner. Yeah. All right, so I hate this entire sequence. Is there anything you want to cover on it? Um, well, Robert Davi shows up. That's noteworthy, I guess. Oh, yeah. There's, I didn't have that note. It's not really there's nothing to say. He's just like, I'm here. I'm in this movie now. So Why I'd, did they go get him for basically nothing? I mean, this is probably what he can get at this point. His career is over, so... Um, you know, it was nice to see him. The last time we saw him was in Raw Deal. I was so. going to say, that's the, I, that was what I remembered him last time. Yeah, but I don't, I don't have much. This, I agree, it's not that interesting. Uh, I don't, I'm confused about the whole X-raying painting stuff that he explains I, here. I didn't but, look it up to see if it's true. Well, here's the thing. Okay, fine. You can't, they don't X-ray crates that are labeled as having paintings in them because it'll ruin the paint or whatever. Fine, I'll buy that. You don't need to X-ray a crate to know it weighs 2,000 pounds. <laughs> giant weapons in here how is this fooling anybody paintings are extremely light and like rocket launchers are not i am so angry at myself it's just i don't know you beat me to that i mean i did not even contemplate it that that might be dumber than them jumping out of a plane. <laughs> maybe. I mean, maybe there's something it's that we're so not nonsensical of. maybe there's some maybe kind the of oils when when put in a crate 
somehow they weigh more. <laughs> right. <laughs> I don't know. It's yeah. I, that's the only part. I mean, if it was sculptures, like in, uh, right. in you could see that where the the weight differential, nobody would probably think twice. Right. It's already heavy, but it's like a painting. <laughs> what is that? Like sixty pounds? If, if that. Yeah. I didn't even think you got it. I just don't understand the logistics of this whole thing. Man, we are just destroying this movie. Well, that's kind of what I was saying earlier about, uh, uh, or was it on the show? I don't remember. We're, uh, I, I found it interesting, the kind of periphery. Did we talk about this? Maybe oh. we didn't talk about this. But like uh, um, in John Wick, for instance, I think one of the reasons why John Wick is interesting is because the John Wick movies, I guess we didn't talk about it. The John Wick movies are really fascinated with the infrastructure and the support structures that surround the world of assassins. Like, yeah. yes, Keanu Reeves is an assassin, but that's not the interesting part. It's no. all of the infrastructure that surrounds him that's really fascinating. I was going to say, that's why I really like those movies. I that, You could do an entire series on just those, the hotels or whatever it is. Yeah, totally. I would find it beyond I think fascinating. I think they're developing a television show. Really? Yeah. Then I'm very... I'm extremely interested in that. I am too. I don't know if it's actually, it's hard to say if it'll ever get Whatever, yeah, it's in Um, development. But that's the thing, is this, Expendables 3 presents certain things like Kelsey Grammer's character, you know, Tool in the first movie, um, this whole thing about shipping weapons and what you do. It's like, there there obviously must be a lot of infrastructure that surrounds the world of mercenaries that might be interesting, and the problem in Expendables 3 is that unlike in the John Wick movies where it's really all well thought out and and fits together beautifully. Here, it's just like, I don't know, it's a painting, you can't, oils, I don't know, it's just, they can't x-ray it. <laughs> you know, that one line of dialogue, they can't x-ray it. Yeah, it's like, it, it, you get the sense that that infrastructure exists, but it's just so clunky Glossed and over. doesn't, yeah, it doesn't make any sense. So, of this, the only thing that I really enjoyed, I'm not sure why, is Arnold back at the plane, hurry up, it's boring. <laughs> really? Because <laughs> 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 what I had is, I feel the same way, Arnold. Yeah. That's what my note is. I feel the same way this entire sequence. It's boring. I forget. I, I heard an interview, or maybe it was in a commentary somewhere, some screenwriter talking about how a director told them never put the word boring in a screenplay, because if you say this is boring, the audience might say, you're right, it is boring. And this exact thing happens here. Because I had the same reaction. I was like, yeah, I'm with you, Arnold. <laughs> well, that was my number one reaction. My number two reaction is, wait a minute, Arnold's in driving distance of this op, and they don't use him. He's sitting guarding the plane. It's like you've got trench. Arnold Schwarzenegger is in this movie. I mean, the real reason is he wasn't available to film, I'm sure. He's just, yeah. hey, run out into this tarmac, and we'll get you a pickup shot of you, you standing on the Here's the, the problem with that, though. There's a, there's a legitimate reason, screenplay reason, too. You know... That there's no way he he would have had an overriding vote for the 1985 <laughs> well, version because he would have said no no we're not doing <laughs> it that way well Barney we're doing it we're kicking in the door <laughs> well Barney might have some ammunition against him no pun intended ammunition but uh, he may have some ammunition against him when it comes to he could point out like hey. Remember the last time you got captured and your team probably was killed even though you lied to me about it. I was just going to say, say, no, I told you before. (laughs) They were waiting for me. (laughs) I have proof, I swear. (laughs) My girlfriend in Canada. (laughs) (laughs) That's his team. Here's a picture picture of my team. We've never seen his team. His his mercenary team is the girlfriend in Canada. They don't don't actually exist. I love it. Wait a minute. Let's play this out. This fake team. He's got a picture, but it's actually like from a G.I. Joe cartoon is what he tries showing and passing. This is my team. They're waiting for me. (laughs) I just need to get out of here. This is just Clint Eastwood cut out of a magazine. (laughs) (laughs) This guy's, this this one's (laughs) hand-drawn. Whatever. I was with Arnold totally. I was bored as well. I agree. 
Yeah, the sequence sucks. It's it's so, dull and it it goes off too easily. Like they very easily capture Stonebanks. Like, well, there was no drama there. There was no, no tension. It's just like boom, they did it. And they they put Stonebanks in this. It looks like just a rental van. And I want to get to that in a moment. Okay. Here's what I will say though is that I I really enjoyed. This is where I think the villainy is that he's right on the edge. But this kids thing I have that he's like. He's the, he's got the demented version of the magic school bus going, and I just absolutely love. Hey kids, what'd you learn today? <laughs> I'm not at all familiar with the magic school bus, but I, yeah, whatever. I, mean, I, I know what you mean. Yeah, yeah. And I, it's because like, it's demeaning to them, but at the same time, I, it's he he like as you said pushes it right to the edge, but knows like just enough that all right, I'm not going to go cartoon Billy Zane in Titanic where I'm tying you know tying the damsel down to <laughs> right. the railroad tracks. Yeah. My favorite exchange in this sequence is uh, Stallone. I think he punches him or whatever, and it's like he's really angry. And he's like, "Keep talking while you still can." And then Mel Gibson's just like, "Sure, but 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 he just <laughs> exactly <laughs> fires back really off into fu- it. That's really funny. So I think this is probably Gibson's best stuff. Um, yeah, is, is the sequence? It's a showcase for him, and I think he really he is l- suddenly bringing life to this lifeless movie. Yes, he's only in a couple of scenes, and like it's it's one of the only saving graces. Is that he's a really good villain. Yeah, and. We've talked about and I've said how you know getting the villain right is what makes a great action movie, and somehow they get the villain right in this one, but it's it's not enough. That there's too there's too much other stuff wrong with this movie that it's not enough. If they'd gotten what's his name who had directed uh, Expendables two, I'm blanking on his name. I he directed Con Air, which I know is not a point in his favor oh, for you. No, it is not. Uh, you're uh, you're crazy. Put the bunny bag in the box. That's why Expendables two has a, a tone that works is because he's a director who w- is willing to. <laughs> Direct, put the bunny back in the box. <laughs> Conair is funny, and it's supposed to be funny, and you're not giving it enough. I credit. don't think it's supposed to be funny. No, but I, that's funny. I think it is. But anyway, but Expendables Two okay. is funny, and it's the same director. All but right, fine. The point is, he's a he's a capable director with a, with years of experience making action movies, yeah. and whatever this guy's name and is is not. This guy is a bad director. You can just tell from the shots. It's just like nothing is nothing looks like an interesting image. It's just all shot very plainly. So yeah, and if, if if you'd gotten a competent director and you'd made it so that the our classic Expendables team is involved through the whole thing, then yeah, just based on the fact that Mel is such a good villain, I think it would have been much better. Yeah, you might have even elevated it above the second one. I liked Van Damme as a villain, but Gibson's a better villain than Van Damme. Yeah, I agree. All right, so let me ask you: Are we in agreement that this is just some van that they rented? I don't know. Probably. <laughs> I mean, they, it's they not, didn't it's, fly it in, so they must right. have gotten it somewhere nearby. Okay. How reckless is it? That Stonebanks men fire a rocket with him inside this van that we are now, we're in agreement, right? There is no, this is not an armored van, right? This is just a van that they went and got. Yeah, it's just a van. Okay. How reckless is that? Uh, Why isn't he dead? Do they fire it right at the van or do they fire it? I don't remember the, the, what happens. They, do they fire, fire it ahead of the van and it like swerves and crashes? Or no, it-, it fires at the van and the van flips over onto its side. But I mean, if you want, pull it up. But it flips over onto its side because it like blows up underneath it. Okay, yeah, I guess you're right now. I'm not remembering. Yes. Yeah, they just how reckless right is that? Yeah, I mean, it, it, uh, I guess they'd be perfectly fine with him being killed. It's Apparently just like, uh, so. The boss is dead. I could take over. And can you can you also then help me that you know this guy is this expert base jumping spelunking hacker? 
He didn't think that there was a GPS device. Because <laughs> he actually has Belunker, or did we add that? I've added that. Okay. Just being a jerk. I was going to say, I'm not so sure. Yeah, okay. I, it's the Batman Begins. You know, <laughs> sure. all of the things that Bruce Wayne would do, I'm sure this guy does. Yeah. Uh, so he didn't think that, oh, he might have a GPS tracking device on him? It was built into his watch, though, right? Yes. So maybe he just didn't notice it or didn't realize that it was a gadget watch? I guess. Well, what bothered me about the GPS watch is, like, Somehow, Stonebanks gets free, activates the GPS, and the guy's like, it's a GPS watch. Immediately, there's a helicopter there. Like, within a second. It's like oh, they so teleported it, in. You took it that he activated it, that it wasn't activated before? That's what it seemed like. Okay. He, like, hits something, and it lights up and starts beeping. Okay. And that's when they go, like, oh, no, a GPS. Oh. Maybe you're right, though. Maybe it was on the whole time. They only just noticed it when he got free or whatever, because there's, like, a scuffle or something. Yeah, and he gets tipped over, and that's when it does light up. So you could be right. And if you are right, then it's absurd that they show up instantaneously. No, it makes more sense if, if, if you're right and if it's been active the whole time, then that would explain why the helicopter awesome. found them so quickly. But yeah. yeah, I thought he had activated in that moment and just like suddenly the helicopter's immediately there. But yeah, probably not. All right. So <clears throat> the, the crew that we don't care about is captured. And I'm like, let's just let them go. I, and actually, I think Gibson says, I just chalk them up to collateral damage. And I have a note. Yeah, so would I. Yeah. Oh, you, you brought up uh, Stone Banks' video. Yes. That he makes. First things first. Collateral damage. That's why he does say collateral damage, yes. yes. Uh, No, but it seems like they're just copying the Dark Knight a little bit in terms of like the 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 Joker's video there. And it's not nearly as good. But here's the thing that really bothered me. I don't know if you know this about me, what a Marx Brothers fan I am. I did not know that. So then this must have really bothered you? It did bother me, and I'll tell you why. Because he goes, Harpo, that's Victor Ortiz. He goes, Groucho is Smiley. Gummo, and then Chica. Gummo? He goes to Gummo instead of Zeppo? <laughs> Zeppo always gets the short shrift. I'm going to make a stand for Zeppo. I, I know nothing of what you're talking about, <laughs> but I'll take you at your word. Gummo was never even in the movies. He was only on the, the stage in like, vaudeville. He never even appeared in a Marx Brothers movie. Zeppo, everyone hates Zeppo because he's the straight man. Uh, and he's really is that why because i can i tell you this i will say i have a soft spot for the straight man in any kind of routine and then you will like zeppo okay that's why i like zeppo i agree with you i think the straight man is much harder than people give credit for i think okay so i know we're probably running along i twice in my life i've had to do in public performances i've had to be the straight man there was one uh, my wife and i were on our honeymoon in hawaii and there was a, a magic show he one one part of his show that was great is that he gave somebody a free drink ticket and had them leave because basically they were going to be the butt of the joke and they didn't know it and it had something to do with a watch i don't remember the the illusion or the you know the the trick anymore but what he like said to me is that everybody else in here is going to be like laughing that they're all in on this joke but you're like the only you're supposed to be the guy who you just don't get it you're like not not even seeing what's going on that kind of thing like you don't understand i don't right understand i see what's going on but i don't understand why this is funny but everybody else does okay and he's like, you have the most important job because you have to like sell this. Cause, and, I don't, and I wish I remember it now, but I absolutely killed it. And so I have a soft spot for the straight man because it's really hard to do that. Everybody loves the jokester, right? To be the straight man, and those jokes do not work without that person. Yeah, I agree. I'll, all right, I'll get into that. So there, there's one other one that I had to be the straight. It was the same, similar setup. My wife and I, we were actually in uh, Las Vegas. We went, uh, she likes game shows. So we went to, it was, you know, a bunch of different game shows. And so the setup was we, um, 
Jen and I got called up, and she was actually pregnant at the time with with uh, our daughter. We were there. We went to this game show, and it wasn't nearly sold out, so we had a pretty good chance of actually getting up and participating. But it was great because we did. Mm-hmm. So the setup was is that it was supposed to be like the dating game, and there were going to be three other random women from the audience, and I was going to be blindfolded and have to kiss one of them. Okay. Okay. So what they did is they pulled me backstage, and what they are telling the whole audience is the same thing they're telling me. They're like, look, it's going to be your wife. She's going to be you know, the same one for all of them. I had to rank based on numbers, based on the kisses. But they, they, they said, look, you know, the, the joke is on the audience, right? And, and on, on your wife, you just have to deliver. You're going to win all the stuff. You've already got it. Just don't blow it. And the same thing, I was able to deliver. Jen completely believed that I actually thought that it was... Not her and somebody else. And okay. For the last one, too, she really dialed it up on, on the last one. Okay. And so whatever it was, it was like an eight. And a, I think a nine got it for, you know, for us to win all the stuff. And an eight and a half would have been a half a point away. So I delivered very, very well. She totally bought it. Everybody bought it. So I, I know this is a long, long-winded story. But the point is, I totally get the straight man. And the stuff doesn't work without the straight man. Okay. So yeah. I'm a Zeppo fan. I've never seen a Marx Brother movie. I may need to go see one. Is Duck Soup one of them? Duck Soup is one. Zeppo is in that one. Okay. I may have to see Duck Soup to just appreciate Zeppo because you need a straight man. Feel free. I've got uh, the Marx Brothers collection right All there. Right. I've got, because so, they replaced Zeppo. Zeppo retired and they replaced him with a guy named Alan Jones who sucked. So anyway. I, I, <laughs> Did he go by Alan Jones? His name like was it? Alan Jones, yeah. How come they couldn't give him a name? Oh, because he wasn't one of their brothers. It was like, oh. you know, they were all brothers, and then... That was their nicknames or something? Yeah, I don't know where the names came from. Okay. Yeah, they didn't give Alan Jones a, a Marx Brothers so name. Alan he Jones, wasn't a Marx brother. So he was he as bad as Shep? Shep? Shemp. You know, oh. Sorry. I like Shemp. I mean, the Three Stooges are a totally different beast. I, you know, I, I don't mind Shemp. Okay. You know, he is Shemp-like in that he is a replacement for one of the classic... Marx Brothers, and the same way that Champ was a replacement for Curly. I don't know a ton of people that are huge Stooges fans, but the ones that I do, they hate Champ with a passion. Oh, I don't hate Champ with a passion. I don't think he's as good as Curly, but I don't mind him. I think I think those are fine. Okay, Curly Joe. Now he sucks. Curly Joe. They should, that's them trying to pass him off as Curly. That's just terrible. Okay. All right. No, I'm I, sorry. I'm sorry for the digression, but I I want to defend the straight man because no, I started it with the Marx Brothers, and I'm in completely agreement. So you you and I are totally aligned. We will to the day we die defend the straight man. Well, and, and that's the thing. As much as we were as we're on board for Mel Gibson's performance, him going with Gummo instead of Zeppo, it's not right. No, that, that's a crime. All right. So I so this is the whole sequence too, where the Banderas. He he goes through and I, it's pretty funny. The only thing that I really wanted to highlight is when uh, Stallone mispronounced his name. Oh, that sounds like a Parisian hooker for some reason. Oh, that right, really, yeah. Yes, that really made me laugh. Yeah, they call him Gogo. I think. Gogo. That's what I know. <laughs> yeah. That sounds like a Parisian hooker. Yeah, but anyway, that they're preparing and uh, the team shows up and volunteers and yeah. And I love to. I know this is a movie thing, but. Have you ever been by a propeller plane or a helicopter? Have you ever actually been one when they're... I have not. Okay, I've been by a helicopter. There's a reason why inside the helicopter you need headphones like we're wearing because you can't hear anything. Right. There is no chance that you would be able to (laughs) hear. That's right, because yeah, Statham's just shouting at him. Yes! We're here to worry. I mean, he, he really is shouting Anybody loud. Anybody think is crazy or not? No, no. He way. is shouting very loud. I mean, I, I, I noticed how loud he was. Okay, but they did the same no, thing. Stallone right. at the end is hanging from a rope underneath a helicopter. They can hear each other, <laughs> right? No, I, I didn't think about it. You're right. Yeah. Anyway, so there's there's a call to Harrison Ford where 
He kind of fills them in on where he is. Can I I just, I love this entire sequence because Harrison Ford's delivery that he can't understand anything that Statham is saying is amazing. This is the best running joke in the movie and it should have started from the beginning of the movie. Yes, it should have. It's starting too late because it's great. It is so amazing. I can't understand a word he's saying. What? Language what is language that? is this? And my favorite one is later when, in the action sequence where his, his I forget what Statham said, and he goes, "Stop mumbling." Yes. <laughs> Stop mumbling is the perfect you, capper of that whole running joke. I didn't think about it, but you're right. This should have started from go. Lee should have been outside at the hospital when um, Drummer meets up yeah, with that, Barney. Yeah, that would have worked. He, he's there. He he's there. You're right. This this joke should have been running far longer in this movie. I, well, I think that would have diminished it a little bit because I think part of what's funny about it is Harrison Ford being like, who is that talking? Who, is, who even is that? Who is this? <laughs> right. So, I mean, if he had met him, that wouldn't have been possible. So maybe it's better if they never met. All right. I wanted to get that in there because this, this is some of my favorite Harrison Ford stuff. Yeah. Uh, well, let's get to they show up in this wherever uh, Stonebanks' hideout yeah. is. Stonebanks. We learn from Harrison Ford that Stonebanks has like the country in his pocket. Or yeah, the uh, the military basically. I want to play a very quick scene, which is it, I feel bad because on Kindergarten Cop Two we really laid into Dolph Lundgren about not being funny. Yeah. And I want to take it all back because <laughs> God, this part made me laugh. I, I think I know what it is because it made me laugh. And there I don't we know go. To play it. I'm gonna play it right here. The hell's that? What? That computer strapped to your wrist? Nothing. The same thing you were busting that kid's balls about? No, I had it for a while now. <laughs> that is a great delivery. I had it for a while now. It's like, God, he that's exactly, he's playing that exactly right. The, no, the way it should be, and I, I'm assuming, because I don't, I can't imagine that he is, you know, somebody that can ad-lib. I'm ma- I imagine that that's scripted. No, it's scripted. It, 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 it's written perfectly, too, because the, the choice, no, I've had this for a long time, is the perfect phrase for that. And he's, he's delivering it in like just offhanded, like, I don't want to talk about it. Yes, like, leave me alone. And he's like dialing it, no, 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 I've had this a long time. Well, And it's so funny that it, it was only after the fact that I realized how plot convenient this is, because the only reason why he's wearing this is because later they need it to use to, it. to block the signal or whatever it yeah, is. Yeah, because he's coding somehow on this thing, too, by the way. Yeah. I'd really love to know how there's nothing on there that I can see where you can type anything. I, it's probably a touchpad. I don't know. 2014, you can assume that any kind of device has a touchscreen on okay, it. Okay, but it doesn't show anywhere on it that it actually... It is a touchscreen, but it doesn't show anywhere where a keyboard comes up. Oh, no. I think he's it's probably using a software keyboard. I don't know. It's, it's hard to see. I don't think you ever really see a screen or what's on that screen. Yeah, you do. You absolutely do. Because it shows the battery percentage. Oh, right. It shows the battery. That's about it. it well, whatever. You're right. It would be very clunky to program like basically on a cell phone or like something yes. the size of a cell phone. That's even harder. You could probably do more on an iPhone than you could do on that thing. Yeah, probably. I mean, it does look kind of clunky. It looks like some kind of like the 2007 like, sat-nav or something. I was going to say, yes, it looks like it's like a Garmin that he actually right. has had for a long time. That was his first car <laughs> GPS. I dug it out of my drawer. <laughs> I wanted to look like a tech guy. <laughs> well, later he says, I use it to check the weather, which That's is funny. That's actually too. <laughs> Why there's no battery? Well, because like the, the tech guy's gonna he's gonna like block the signal and Toll Road says, Why didn't you think of that? I'd use it to check the weather. <laughs> What's funny, you know what it made me think of? We'll just skip to it. It made me think of the Seinfeld with the tip calculators. Oh, I yeah. think that that's all he thinks it can do is check the weather. <laughs> yeah. It's missing a seven. No, but you know what I'm saying? Right, right, is that right. He's so old. He it does other things. Yeah. That's, he doesn't realize it does anything else. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's, that's, that's the joke. He's an old man who doesn't understand technology. You know, he's, he's trying to keep <laughs> up with the youngsters. Check the weather. <laughs> yeah, and that's why that joke is funny is because he's an old man. Uh, all right. I'm sorry. 
Anyway, so yeah, they they sneak up. There's some decent like this is the one sequence I think that is well directed. There's like nice shots of them like sneaking up and t- yeah. walking through the forest and all that. The forest, and then in particular, I really did like the uh, the wide shot of them going up those huge you know rocks. It yeah. almost felt like a, like a river bed. I mean, it's not. It's like a rock slide or something. Yeah, yeah. Um, that that's pretty interesting. Oh, it's the one time where it's like, oh, this is some like nice cinematography. It actually looks like a nice movie and not like junk. Like what's the rest of the movie looks like total trash. <laughs> I don't think I'm being like unnecessarily hard on this director. I think the direction in this movie is just bad. No, I, I, I'm not going to disagree with you on that. It's, it's, it's not good. Um, oh, here's actually where I have is uh, so we get to uh, fast forward. They get their storm up. It's way too easy for them, of course, to get there, and that's because the whole place has been you right. know wired with explosives. It's a trap that Stonebanks has sprung on them. Yes, he gives them 45 seconds, but it's like. It, it it would take a regular person three minutes, whatever he Nin- says. 90 seconds. 90 seconds. It seems like it would take a lot longer than that. That place seemed pretty big to me. I don't know, because all they have to do is run down. All they have to do is find a staircase and run down the staircase. They're like eight stories up. He says they're on the eighth floor. Okay, 90 seconds, though? I mean, eh. You could run down eight stories in 90 seconds and get out of there. All right, maybe. Run to a stairwell, down eight flights, out. Fine. I okay. can't imagine it takes 90 seconds to get out. Uh, so this is then when you get the weather, but... The- Here's, I just have, how is Thorne typing code on that Fitbit? Because that's basically what that thing is, <laughs> like a giant Fitbit. It is the largest Fitbit in the world. Because um, he's the, the most amazing tech guy in the world. That's why he can base jump, and that's why he's a great tech guy. Because he's extreme. <laughs> I, I forgot this is the most extreme tech uh, hacking ever. Is, Wouldn't it have been... He hack- need a, like a laptop, that's for old men. I've got this, uh, this device on my wrist. Didn't didn't he have a device in his wrist when they were leaving for yes. the original? No, thing? his Mission Impossible. He was flying his drone from it. Right, exactly. So he's like the only reason why Dolph Lundgren is wearing it is because he's copying that guy. So he must be like the biggest expert in the world at it. I, I actually think it would have been better if if, if Gunner. He thought he was buying a drone, but he was actually, he bought a Roomba instead. That actually would have been great <laughs> right. in that sequence. <laughs> the Roomba was just going around. It's and my back. drone. Yeah. He calls it a drone and thinks it's a drone. <laughs> he yeah. thinks it's a drone. <laughs> right. So uh, this, uh, here's, uh, can, can we talk about Barney's plan just for a minute here? I love this plan. Let's just break into small groups. <laughs> the two groups start squabbling. They're like, it's your fault for getting captured. And, like the old, old and the young start squabbling. Yeah. And Barney gives a big speech saying, we need to work together to get out of here. No, it's split up into small groups. <laughs> I didn't make that make any sense. But the plan is terrible. It's a terrible plan. You've got a killing like a wrecking crew, right? I mean, this, this team is assembled. They're just going to wreck shop. Yeah, ten, so, ten of them. There's never been this many expendables. No. So Barney's plan is, no, let's, let's break it up so there's only right. a couple of us together. Let's eliminate the one advantage that we have That's, versus, like, we finally have, like, a sizable force. Let's split it up into smaller groups. Such a terrible plan. In groups of two and three. One thing it was like five and five. Oh, four groups of twos and threes. Yes. Yeah. It's and, dumb. And for what purpose? To what end? What is the goal of splitting up? Uh, yeah. I mean, I didn't see how many staircases there were, but I mean, if, if what you're saying is true, they just need to get to a staircase and get down. It seems like actually, no, you shouldn't break up. Right. I agree. Well, but no, but the tech guy's not allowed to use a staircase. You have that's to climb right. an elevator. Go, yeah. Because that's extreme. <laughs> it is. That's exactly why. There's no, there's no logic to any of this like, strategy. Uh, you know, Gunner and Toll Road steal a tank, which is the most fun part of the sequence. <laughs> but for no end. They just kind of joyride in it for a while. Like, oh, this is fun. And they just like crash through things. Oh, there's you know, valet parking. Here we go. They accomplish nothing. They go outside of the building, drive a tank around for a while, come back into the building, and go up to the roof. <laughs> I can, can I, let's break the fourth wall again, because I imagine if you could get Toll Road and Gunner 
out of the movie but into like the production room and giving notes. They'll be like, yeah, it would be really cool if we yeah, just get a tank and they put that in the script notes. And, oh, yeah, these are pretty good notes. Let's That's, give them a tank. There may be something to that. I'm just like, what can? What are the things we can do? Let's just have them do it. There's no purpose to any of it. There's Let's no goal. Uh, we need something extreme with a dirt bike. So for some reason, this oh, army man. is going to have dirt bikes. An unstoppable weapon. A guy in a dirt bike with a machine gun. They don't know what to do. <laughs> unprecedented even though they have their own dirt bike guys they have like the mounted dirt bike core of Azbekistan or wherever the hell they're from whatever this country is this fictional country I imagine that this, you've got the Canadian mounted police and this is they've got yeah. dirt bike guys. the dirt bike core the dirt bike cavalry they're SEAL, they're SEAL Team 6 and there's the dirt bike cavalry of Uzbekistan I mean none of this makes sense it takes so long before they start shelling the place like what are they waiting for why do they care if you've got tanks I would just break out the tanks immediately Immediately. I mean, yeah, they're there. They're just waiting and doing nothing. It's like what? neither side is using any kind of logic in their tactics. It's just like, okay, break into small groups. Yeah, we've got tanks, but we're going to save them. Right. Just send the army in in like groups of five and just to be slaughtered by the expendables. Right. And they're really slaughtered. Like, oh, I think my. this sequence may have the. I, I actually ran out of time and I didn't get a count just for this sequence. Oh, that- but I think it might have, have the highest body count of any sequence in this series. Just this ending sequence. How did you get a total body count if you didn't count the sequence? I have a, well, I could, I could do some math. But no, it's I, fine. I have Whatever. A, I have a list. Hold on. Well, I, I, I can get a sense of it. Uh, da, 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 da. Okay. Body count 90 is where this begins. 91. <laughs> so what you're saying is just this army immediately sent like 100 guys just to get mowed down. Uh, I'm doing the math now. It's 150. <laughs> so I'm pretty sure that's... Oh, no. 161 when they're escaping. And the, the opening sequence at the beginning of... Expendables 2 at 160-something. Yeah. But that was because 60 guys lined up on a bridge to be blown up. <laughs> this is like individually, one by one, 150 guys died. Are you sequence. serious? Yeah. Wow. That's what I've got here. All right. So this is from my back, back of the envelope math, but I think that's right. So I do really like Harrison Ford showing up. You got a tank problem, pal. <laughs> Drummer's in the house. Drummer's in the house. <laughs> such a great... It's stupid, but it's the right kind of stupid. He's like dad joke. He's dad jokes personified. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he's probably wearing dad jeans under that flight suit. Yeah, exactly. I'm not even. Actually, we skipped over that because Jet Li, I, they, I really want to see these three guys. Yeah. I want to see these three guys more. Jet Li, Harrison Ford, and Arnold, that is a wrecking crew. Uh, there are multiple groups when they split up where I would like to see spinoffs. Yes, I would like to see Harrison Ford, Jet Li, and Arnold as like, uh, it's like Airwolf. They fly around in a helicopter. That's exactly and what I have. They, them in, air, in like a TV Airwolf. Yeah. But it needs to be it needs to be Harrison Ford flying the helicopter <laughs> and them shooting out of the helicopter. But every time that they assemble, he's also never there because I I'm not even here. I'm not even here. <laughs> I tore off my nameplate, so that must mean I'm not here for my name tag. But also, I would love to see a gunner and a toll road spinoff because them tooling around in that tank they accomplish nothing. But I don't care. They're having so much fun. <laughs> you know, they're just joyriding. Don't they literally like say this is fun? They did. Toro says this is fun, and, and there's a part where they like just drive over a truck. It's like they're in a monster <laughs> truck rally. They're just doing it for fun. There's no tactical reason to drive over that truck. It was an empty truck. It's because that they knew this is going to destroy this truck, so we're driving over. Just it. in case they want to use this truck later, or we want to trash it. Oh man, I needed to make sure we drummers in the, drummers in the house. <laughs> I mean, the fact that they got Harrison Ford to say that. <laughs> that was worth the three or four million dollars that they paid him. I mean, you know, Harrison Ford has a reputation for being a real pothead. He must have been like really high on this because <laughs> he was willing to do anything. 
Just yeah. like, tell me what to say. I'll, I'll put it in front of me. I'll say it. I'm sitting in this chair for three days filming. <laughs> I'm not even here. <laughs> right. Yeah, this whole sequence, it's so stupid that parts of it loop around to funny, but then every time there's just... Like, here's the thing. There's like brief moments of insanity. It's like, yes, finally we're getting to like the fun part of Expendables. And then it goes back to dirt bikes or Ronda, Ronda Rousey down there doing her MMA stuff. It's just dumb. Even the dirt bike stuff, I don't mind because at least it's something like unique. But man, 90% of this movie is just like shooting guns, shooting guns, shooting yep. guns. Here come more soldiers. Shoot them. And then we're going to shoot more guns. It's just, it's, I don't know. Jason Statham fights a guy, but who is this guy? We were really never introduced to him. He's some kind of henchman. No, and that, that's the thing. is He's Stonebanks number two, and what I have is this is such a massive letdown because in every one of these movies, it's been the same thing, right? And that's how it works out. Fine. Stallone gets the main bad guy. Statham gets his goon. But Statham's barely been in the movie, and this guy, we have no vested interest. There's no, nothing's been established with this guy other than he's huge and has a scar. Right. He doesn't even get like a close-up to something like a da-da-da, this guy, no. pay attention to this guy. You never even get that. No. He, he certainly doesn't speak. He doesn't have any dialogue. No, and, I, and to be honest, I would have liked to have a little bit more of a moment that maybe there's either two of those goons. I would have liked where S- Lee or Snipes, one of the two of them have to like prove that they really deserve the number two spot. And you don't get that. That's true. Snipes is kind of, I mean, he has a moment where he saves him, um, but it's not this, not in this fight sequence that he does, and I would have liked to have seen something like that. Yeah, the movie does hint at a rivalry between the two of them, but it's not really... It doesn't get flushed out at all. Yeah, like at the end, the bar where they're having the knife competition, it's like, yeah, I guess there is some like, hints of... And it would make sense, because Wesley Snipes is like, he's been there... He's an original! Yeah, and he... he Probably, you're probably right. He should feel like he should be the number two. Yeah. He just kind of defers to... I, I would have liked to... Because Statham has taken a back seat in this movie, and then you have the sequence, and it's like, I, I, don't, I don't know who this guy is that he's fighting. This is dumb. Right. Wesley Snipes did deserve to fight this guy. It's like, you know, he's new to the movie. He should get the chance to do something cool. Because what does Wesley Snipes do in this sequence? I can't think of a single thing that's... Not a ton. Yeah. They barely use him. Jet Li doesn't get a fight sequence. How do you have Jet Li and he doesn't get a fight sequence? Yeah, I agree. Well, because he didn't really have an opportunity. He's on the helicopter for the entire sequence. And then like for like 30 seconds, he jumps off and shoots some guys and then jumps back on. If I've got Jet Li, I find a reason where some of those guys try and attack Jet Li yeah, on the roof. I agree. I mean, it really does come off as just this callous thing of like, we need to put Jet Li in the movie. You know, it'll help us in China. It'll help the box office in China. That's all it is. It's just... They're not even trying to find a use for him. It's like he may as well just show up in a cameo at the end. It's like, I'm in this movie for contractual reasons. Goodbye. Yin, yin Yang is here. Right. I mean, they, they just want to put his face in the poster and his name on the poster. So are, are you annoyed or okay with Arnold getting both a <laughs> chopper and good morning? When does he say good morning? Oh, he says it back to back. Good morning. Let's get to the chopper. Is that what he said? Yes. Back to back. No, I'm not a fan of it. It's. He said, I lied because you get an I lied. I lied. Here. I lied. Okay, I wanted to make sure that one's fine. That one's a pro- appropriate use, but no. Get in to, particular, his so jealous is such a great. Line. Oh, we need to talk about that stuff. <laughs> Let's please do. All right, we're done. I mean, we're talking care, about the fight sequence. I mean, do we care about anything? I do. You, all right. I mean, do you want to talk about Barney and Stonebanks? They have a fight. They they promise to not use weapons, and then they just they, yeah, they just go for the guns. <laughs> they're both total liars. Yes. Like there's no honor in this fight at all. Is is that surprising though? I mean, they're mercenaries, right? Should there be honor? I guess. I mean, it's portrayed that Barney has, is the one with the conscience, and that's what separates the he, two of them. But no, it doesn't really. Here's the one thing I do like: movies for a long, long time, and I'm sure it still gets into it. I I do like the John Wick movies, but 
the amount of just concussions that Ethan Hunt would get in like one of his fight sequences yeah, yeah. in Mission Impossible 2, there's no way he could function. But both, I will give it that those movies will go both good guy and bad guy, so it's at least fair, right? Right. I like that this movie doesn't draw this out that long, that they get into it a little bit, but it's not over the top where it's like these guys could not possibly be standing. I, I wouldn't mind it being a little longer. If it was Van Damme, he would be upset. He would say, I didn't get my money's worth. That you know, was the best line. In, right. I want my money's worth. I think I think the fight in two is the appropriate length. I feel like this is like forty five seconds too short. It's okay. not. It's it's. I agree. That too short is better than too long. Yes. So, but also Mel. I mean Van Dam. I want that because that's what you know Van Dam for. You don't know Mel Gibson for that. Yeah, that's that's true. That's so fair. I I think it's appropriate, and I I actually kind of like that there is no honor. I like that they both decide no, and that they're equal too. Right? That they're both immediately going for their guns because they know the other one's going to try yeah. and screw them. I mean. It, it is kind of funny. This is like we don't need these guns, and then <laughs> they, they break that within like a minute. They're both going for the guns. Um, before we get to the bar, can we, you touched on uh, Stallone hanging from the rope. Yes, I just find this funny. This like reveal of like, did he make it? And there's this whole this moment it of was like, so stupid. You see him jump. And you see him like right at the rope. They cut away, and then but think about the logistics of this. They can't see him because they're looking out of one side of the helicopter, looking down, and he's swinging the other way, so they don't see. All they have to do is look out the other side and they'd see him. What, <laughs> and if there were like 10 people in the frame looking the same way, why didn't just one look the other way? If somebody had to turn around. All they need to do is turn around. They would see him swinging that way. But here's what I actually wanted. and It's uh, the scene in Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade where Indiana Jones goes off the cliff and like they don't notice him climb up and he's looking over with them. Yeah. That's what they should have done. Stallone <laughs> climbs up the climb. other side. Oh, that <laughs> and, would be outstanding. And he looks over and... That actually would have been great. It would have been better than like you're not gonna fire us again, are you? Yeah, that was that was dumb. Your your proposal, I sign up for that. It would have been a total ripoff of Indiana Jones, but so it, would, it would have worked. It I, would have been great. Yeah, that's especially what I you have Indiana Jones in the movie flying the helicopter. That's right. He can stay on the line. It's been done. You know. <laughs> that would be amazing. <laughs> right. That's true. I didn't even think about that. They should have completely ripped it off, and it's been done, or something to that effect. I mean, if you're going to have Indiana Jones and drummers in the house, you can completely get away with that. Oh, yeah. I'm surprised there aren't more references to Indiana Indiana Jones, since that's his most action-y thing he's known for. without a doubt. All right, let's get to... (laughs) You're so jealous. Yes, let's get to this. Obviously, the joke is supposed to be like they're so happy as like a mercenary team that they're kind of they're they're overly affectionate. Yeah, they're they're in love. That's supposed to be the joke, and he's like, "Get a room, you two. And he goes, "We don't need a room." (laughs) Like the joke so overpowers the other side of it. It's like there's no other interpretation other than like these two are just literally in love. They're a gay couple. Yeah, that's what it seems like. I mean, there's no other way to interpret this. It's like that's fine, great, but it's like (laughs) this is news. You know, this is something to drop on us at the last minute. It is kind of thrown away in last minute. But can you uh, do you agree with me? Arnold's delivery of so jealous is amazing. <laughs> oh, it's funny, but it's like <laughs> it's amazing. They may as well just committed to it and really come out and said that they're like well, they are think, lovers. Don't you think they did? I mean, I, I'm. I mean, that's, what, so? I, that's what I took it as. Do you really think so? They're kind of they're like speaking to each other, and I'm assuming Chinese, right? Because I. Oh, I don't or is know. it just that you can't hear what I they're saying? I think you just can't hear. I think the okay. subtitle said, like, whispering or something. Oh, all right. I, I thought maybe that Arnold could speak Chinese and was speaking maybe. with... Well, whatever. But, I mean, the way they're laughing, I completely took that, that, yes, that they're a couple. See, I can't imagine that a movie like this would want to do that, but that's the way it plays. Uh, well, okay, I took no other interpretation. <laughs> I mean, I agree. That's the only so, way to interpret this. So the way jealous. they're behaving, it's like, yeah, they're, <laughs> it seems like that they're together. They're a couple. 
I what I'm I'm sorry, but just Arnold's delivery just ma- I mean I couldn't stop laughing. No, I mean it's it's hilarious. It's really good. It's really good. I mean that that would really add a dimension to that spinoff with Harrison Ford oh. and the two of them. Harrison Ford's got to put up with their lovers' spats behind him. Hey, come on, guys. We got to get serious. We got a mission to do. Yes. Drummer's in the house. (laughs) That's how serious it is. I need I need to get a recording of drummers in the house so that in the future we can play it. Like collateral uh, damage, you absolutely have to. We need that one in our repertoire. Um, oh man! A couple of things just about this final scene. Number one, just the fact that you know, in previous movies they were in these dive bars where they're basically the only yes. ones there, yeah. and it's like here they're in this hip club where people, are, young people, are dancing in the karaoke. Kar- thank you, karaoke. Oh man! And such an ironic song that they're karaokeing to as well. They would not pick this song. No, uh, they would if it was deliberate. If you got a sense that these characters are choosing this song to mock the old guys, yeah. then yeah, that's funny. There's no sense of that. No. They just decided to sing a Neil Young song because of course we know that 20 somethings love Neil Young <laughs> I mean I don't know maybe they do but it's no, just, it don't. seemed like such a strange it, it, it was simultaneously Can, on well, the nose and completely wrong it's unfair some 20 somethings do but the spurlunking no, base jumping hacking <laughs> right, ones yeah. no right the ones who are creating high-tech futuristic weapons for the Air Force, they're not listening to Neil Young. No, I don't think so. It just, it just seemed like, that seemed like Stallone's choice. Like, Absolutely. That's what they're going to do. I know what young people like. They're, Neil Young. They like Neil Young. But that's the movie that there's a very, it kind of putters out. There's like some kind of joke with Statham. Just, yeah, them, two of them throwing the knives at the, the dartboard. Yes. And <laughs> he doesn't have a poem, a, a limerick-esque poem for uh, Doc. No. Probably but, because the rhymes would have been, uh, there once was a man named Doc. You could fill in the rest. I was just going to say, just from there, you just need to stop. Um, Especially this was PG-13, right? That's true, yeah. yeah. I couldn't have even finish that. So, But yeah, no, no question, this is the worst Expendables. Easily. I agree with you there. But here's the thing, is having gone through this with you, there's a few things that like I like that kind of make me laugh that I'm glad this movie exists. The only good moments of Expendables 3 work because of the built-in kind of persona yeah like all of the built up kind of i don't know what the word i'm looking for but like you like these characters and so because of that certain moments work like if if you're watching this movie and you've never seen the first two oh you, you know the moment we played with the uh, you know toll road and gunner <laughs> and it's like oh I, I always wear this that's not as funny if you haven't seen these guys before it's right. like they're barely well, in this movie what a long way he's come from trying to hang, hang a pirate to oh this is a, this is a <laughs> right. long time i do kind of like that it's kind of subtly in the background the fact that gunner has gone from kind of the most unreliable part yes. to like he's, he's kind of the most reliable member of the team now he's really cleaned his life up good for gunner <laughs> good for gunner i mean he does he's still drinking you see yeah. but a lot of that is probably he feels rejected at barney yeah he's got when he's got nothing but free time he exactly. reverts to his bad ways yeah when he's got stuff to do he's checking the weather exactly and stealing tanks <laughs> going for joy rides with tanks yeah uh, anyway, you want to move so, on to body count or do you well, what, all right. else? Yeah, the only thing I'll say is that I think what we've come up with, there's some great side movies or you know, spin-offs that could be done. Because yeah. you're right, Toll Road and Gunner and the, those other three would be just fantastic. Well, and it's funny because I, th- I get the sense that the part of the reason why Expendables 3 was such a disaster is because it feels like an attempt to turn the Expendables franchise into a Marvel-esque Expanded uh, kind of about cinematic that. universe. I hadn't thought about whether that. or not they were just going to spin off those young into a separate series, or whether it was just like it. It, it has that feel. I don't know if they literally were going to spin but it they, off, but, but they were leaving. They were trying to create the possibility that right, if exactly. it was hugely successful to do so. Yeah, the fact that it's PG thirteen, it's like yeah. it's, it's trying to 
put it in that space and it, just, it didn't work at all. It didn't work. But what's funny is that we found some spinoffs to do because I do think I, I know Harrison Ford. He's just doing things for paychecks these days and barely showing up. I don't know. That's true. I think for a while he that was true, but it seems like he's he cares again. Maybe. But w- I would I would love a little more drummer. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, Drummers in the House, just for that alone. That's the name of the spinoff, Drummers in the House, or it's like sitcom spinoff. Can I, can I just say right now, that just needs to be the name of this episode. Is there any doubt? <laughs> okay, fine. Drummers in the House. I'll agree with that. Normally, I don't like picking stuff that we said on the, on the podcast, but yeah, Drummers in the House. <laughs> Welcome to our episode 35, Drummers in the House. Yes. All right, so uh, let's get the body count. I just wanted to say that there is some, there's a little bit of, of gold to, to mine from this movie, and... Before we did the podcast, I'm not sure I felt that way, but there's a few things that you helped kind of pull to the forefront that I've enjoyed more talking about it. Yeah, I mean, it, there there are some cases where talking about the movie, it's tough to say, though, because sometimes th- it's like we talked about with uh, Red Sonia, where it's like you think back on the movie and it seems more fun than it is, but watching it is a chore. <laughs> yes. And I think that's kind of what's happening here. Yeah. It's like there's a lot of things that, I mean, that's, that's a sign of a movie that has bad execution. Yeah. It's like the ideas are fine, it just... It trips over its own feet. Yeah, and that's again. I think it's just a choice of director here. I think if they had a better director and used the exact same screenplay, I think you could end up with something that's a lot better. Honestly, like watching that director's cut of the first movie, it really shows how much editing can affect the outcome. I mean, the the director's cut of Expendables One is almost scene for scene the same. There are like a couple small scenes that are added. But mostly, like, it's the exact same scenes in the exact same order. It's just kind of tightened and recut. And it's like every scene has subtle differences and, like, different music choices and things. Yeah. It's amazing how just little things a big can difference it can make. make a big difference. Yeah. And it's like, I, I'm sure the same thing is here. You could turn this into a better movie with a little more, more spit and polish, but. Yeah, it is what it is. But let's get to the body count for this disaster. All right, let's get to the body count. So for Expendables 3, total body count 240. Oh. My. Which is, you would think, it would, see, it's a lot, but compared to Expendables 2, it didn't quite make it. But uh, And for PG-13 as well. That, oh, yeah. Uh, again, that's 150 ridiculous. in that last, that last sequence is literally, I think it's 20 minutes long or something. It's a yeah, long, it's, it is really long. It's long way too long. action sequence, and then guys are dying in every shot. I mean, it's, I, it's just boom, boom. Just, and, and once again, in classic Expendables fashion, the villains kill nobody. The Expendables kill pretty much everybody in this movie. <laughs> 240 bodies. And the villains kill three. The rest are the Expendables. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Yeah, because Mel. G- well, no, Mel Gibson just kills other villains. He so. kills two of his men. Yeah, yeah. And, and and then one uh, Barney uses a guy as a human shield. It's like a random soldier shoots another gotcha. random soldier. So there's your three. Wow. And they could have given that to Barney, but yeah, decided. To, All right. So what's what's the count here? All right. So here's our breakdown. And uh, another sign of this problem, a problem in this movie, the leaderboard. The, the winner is ambiguous expendables kills because a lot of it is just like three guys are shooting, cut the guys falling down. I don't know who shot who. It's yeah. like that's and that's by far the most. The other movies are like 20, 30, like 71. Of, of, it's just like that's, that's just it just shows how generic the yeah, action is. Uh, let's throw some guys and have them die. Right. So next is uh, Stallone 31. Wesley Snipes at 19. Wow. So pretty good showing for his uh, yeah, for his debut. Debut. Harrison Ford also with 19. It's firing a lot of rockets out of that. Uh, Helicopter. He was in the house and <laughs> he was and he was wrecking shop. Uh, Statham was 17, which is very low for him. Yeah, he's just not in this movie enough. No, not enough. Antonio Banderas with 14. Most of that's in that one sequence where he like discovers how much he loves killing, whatever the hell is going on there. Yeah, Remember that? Was him and Ronda Rousey. Right. Yeah. This is the greatest moment in my life. It's yeah. like, I, I liked him in this movie, but that was a little much, I thought. 
Kellen Lutz, Smiley, 13. <laughs> Victor Ortiz with 12. Arnold Schwarzenegger and Ronda Rousey both have 10 each. Jet Li at 7. Dolph Lundgren, only 4. Terry Crews, 4. He mowed the lawn. Yes, Those he are did. His four. Accidental deaths, I have three. It's when uh, the boat accidentally crashes into that car. Yeah. They didn't do that on purpose, so I, I, I put it accidental. Randy Kuchar, two. Come on. Two. No way. I are swear. you serious? You, he doesn't do anything in that action. They, they take over the tank, and then they fire the shell once. And they drive over our truck. They drive into a building. It's a uh, you know, I didn't valet parking. It. You're right. They only fire one They don't shell. do anything. It literally is a joyride. Yeah. I wasn't exaggerating. They don't do anything. They don't accomplish anything. They don't kill a single... They kill people in the tank. But once they've taken over the tank, they literally don't kill anybody. I'm not, it's not an exaggeration. It really is a joyride. They each kill... There's two guys in the tank. Yeah. Gunner kills one. Toll Road kills one. That's it. You're right. <laughs> and then they just drive back into the building. They crash through it and go, like, we got to get up to the roof. Valet parking. All right. Yeah, two. That is... It's embarrassing. Yeah. Well, the fact that Terry Crews is barely in the movie and has doubled the body count. Yeah. And that just shows, again, why you can kill off Randy Kuchar and you wouldn't notice. It's like, you, <laughs> that's, that's the best way to use him as, you know, they can mourn him. Uh, Mel Gibson has two. He kills two of his own men. Random Soldier has one. Glenn Powell, who plays Thorne, is that guy's name, the hacker guy, only has one. He spent the whole final action sequence climbing up a shaft. I do like the moment where they're running to the chopper and then he just pops his head of a hatch. It's <laughs> like everyone seemed to forget about him. I didn't, I didn't notice that. <laughs> he That's popped crazy. his head out of a hatch. Like, I've been climbing this, this elevator shaft. I've been shaft. working really hard. I've been climbing this elevator shaft the whole time. I could have just climbed up the stairs with the rest of you guys. And then I that, didn't think about that. And then I have Kelsey Grammer on here with zero just, just for yeah. posterity. So there's, there's your wow. expendables three totals. Now, do you want... Yeah, what's the total overall? So you want a leaderboard for the whole series? Yeah. So first things first, total body count. So we have 163 in one, 341 in two, 240 here. So a total body count of 744 for the entire series. <laughs> so insane. It's an average of 248 per movie. Wow. All right, so here's your leaderboard. Again, so, so total by villains, 12. All but three are their own men. The only three like, innocent people that villains kill were Billy the Kid yeah. and two innocent minors. Otherwise, it's all their own men. And then we have three accidental deaths. So... That leaves 729 out of 744 in the entire series were by the Expendables. They were responsible for 98% of the total body count. It's ridiculous. All right, here's your leaderboard. I would guess Lee Christmas. As first? Yeah. That would be incorrect. Sylvester Stallone. You forget that he blew up that bridge. Oh, that's right. 168 for Stallone. Coming in second is Ambiguous, 131. (laughs) Way to go, Ambiguous. He won the silver. Uh, Jason Statham was third at 108 All total. Right. Then Terry Crews, which is actually kind of surprising. Hail Caesar. Most of this movie, that's right. Fifth is Chuck Norris. He only, only in one movie he managed to get to the fifth. Uh, he had 50 total. Jet Li was six, 12, 13, and seven were his counts. So that's that's good. You know, it's it's each movie he was respectable. Uh, Dolph was seventh at 21. Arnold was eighth at 20. And there's a tie for ninth between Harrison Ford and Wesley Snipes. Both newcomers both managed to sneak into the top ten. Wow. With 19 each. Uh, so there's your top ten. Now, we can yeah, go down the whole list. But no, you don't. There's a to. way more. So Randy Kuchar is not in the top ten, despite being in all three movies. Nope, he just missed it. He's number 11. That's amazing that Harry, the Harrison Ford, yeah, drummer, he's in this movie for eight, he's only in one of the movies for like eight minutes. <laughs> he does, and Jet he Lee's more shop. barely in two or three, yeah. I mean, he's in both, and he... In two, he literally, when I saw two, I'm like, what happened to Jet Li? Right. He just parachuted out of the movie. And of course, uh, you know, 
My three do not qualify as the three like significant actors who have no bodies in the series. Mickey Rourke, Kelsey Grammer, Robert Davi. So they're in the DNA. You even put Robert Davi on He's there? a significant actor. He's, right, you know, he got, he, he, I put him on the list. So All right, so they're really expendables. I'm, uh, I'm glad we did these. I think it was good, uh, good for us to do these. I think it was fun. I agree. I think generally the first one was certainly better than I remembered in even you know, uh, doing, uh, you know, watching the director's cut. You know, I would recommend if anyone out there is going to watch these to watch the director's cut. I do think it's okay. better. But even Expendables too, I remember liking it. And it was better than I remembered. It's like this, oh, yeah. and this one was about the same. So, like generally speaking, it's like yeah, these were better than I remembered. Yeah, and so you're don't bother. I haven't seen the director's cut. I don't know how many times I'd ever want to see the first one again. I probably wouldn't jump at seeing it again. Uh, but there was enough stuff in there that was at least I'm glad it exists. The third. Pretty much is don't bother. There are some individual things we talked about I, I enjoyed, but it's not really a movie worth seeing. The second one, it's an action movie that I will definitely go back to over time, without a doubt. Yeah, it's legitimately a really fun, really yeah. great action uh, action movie. Hey, yeah, yeah, that's the show, I guess. So, what are we going to tell people about next episode? This is kind of we're heading into the new. I don't know. Are we going to say anything yet? I, I think we need to make sure we've got everything buttoned up. Well, we need to get everything buttoned up by the next episode, but I think we should. We could just say that there will be an announcement. Yeah, next episode will be the announcement on what's coming next. I guess. Yeah, that's probably what we'll do is maybe a short announcement outlining what we're planning to do. Right. And uh, and to go from there. Yeah. So this was. But we uh, don't know what we don't have the details no. ironed out yet, but we'll no. we'll figure it out by the next episode. But the good news is that uh, this is an episode for people to listen to in the interim. Yeah, and now it's over. Yeah. So goodbye. We'll be back in the next episode, I guess. Next thing we're moving on to, we're going to figure out how to end the episode. <laughs>